Oh, plug yourself, baby. While you're doing that, I'm going to start the show. Oh, welcome to Riot Act. This is episode 46 of the Alternative Music Podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and him, Renfrey Day. He's not ready. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm right okay. in front of the mic. I'm good. Okay. I'm all right. right. Renfrey is plugging his phone in yeah. using up my computer battery. Oh, uh, calm down. I know. Yeah, exactly. Imagine. Fucking yeah, I'm going to get. A, I've got what I'm going to do at the end of the year, Renfrey. I'm going to send musicism uh, a kind of an uh, yeah an automated bill um, with the breakdown of all the electricity used, <laughs> and I'm going to bill them for it. Not even you. I'm going to bill our good friends at musicism. Musicism.net forward slash buddies. Still buddies, aren't we, guys? You don't put the buddies in, but yeah, they're, they're, our, the in, they're our mates. As I say every week, twenty five percent off all courses that are usually nine pound ninety nine. Put riot. In the checkout, you get 25% off. They'll teach you how to be a better guitarist, a better producer, better singer, better person. They're our friends. I should probably start the show. I've done the musicism sting early, real early and real mm. quick, Renfrey, mm. because today's show's fucking long. It's packed. By the way, today's show's long. You can have a little look. We haven't actually, I mean, we know it's long. We haven't even recorded it yet. No. <laughs> yeah. and we're we're so like, wow, certain it's going to be long. Show. Yeah. Um, and I shall explain... I should explain to you why. Basically, um, this week, we are going to be talking about new albums from Baroness, Dinosaur Pileup, The St. Pierre Snake Invasion, Bocassa, Heart of a Coward, and Jambini. Um, Jambini. Jambini. Is that how you say it? I'm guessing so. Okay, cool. You said it with... <laughs> uh, I like the fact that you committed to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and we will be talking about Portals Festival. Um, we'll be talking about, as many of you asked, the drama between The Armed and Frank Turner. Mm. And we'll be talking about Clutch as well. But uh, first, I should... That's a lot of things. That's quite a lot of things. We won't be doing trade-off this week because it's too much stuff. And basically, our lives have been busy. I mean, the, the primary reason we're not doing trade-off this week is because it's fucking packed. Because it's fucking show. packed. And uh, yeah, and we don't want to scrimp on anything. No. And I felt like maybe we might scrimp on that. And also, you know, I'm going to download. You're going uh, to fucking Amsterdam. Well, look, we should say this super quickly. Basically, next week's show is going to be a little bit different, isn't it, Steve? Because yes. um, I am not going to be here. Don't worry. We haven't had a bust up, although we might have a bust up about some of the reviews today. I'm a little bit worried about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we haven't like, it's all good. Um, it's just basically with me gallivanting around Europe, um, literally yo-yoing between Europe, more or less. I'm going to Amsterdam, then I'm coming back to see Nick Cave and Metallica, and then I'm going back to the Czech Republic. Yeah. Um, we just cannot find a moment to sit down together in the same room together and do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Steve going to download, uh, uh, we're going to do a big download review, and our friend and fantastic compadre, Mr. Matt, Matt, Stocks. Mr. Matt Stocks, is going to come on and re- replace me for one week and one week only. Yes, so Matt's going to come in next week, do the download review. I will be giving Matt a trade-off. Um, and Matt's giving me one. In fact, he's literally just texted me. Oh, he's Look at that. What a professional. Timing. Um, he's going to be giving me X-Ray Specs Germ-Free Adolescence, Ooh, which I've never heard in full. That's cool. And I'm going to be giving him On the Turn by Curb Dog, which he's never heard in full. Oh, nice. We've stuffed the show with uh, six reviews this week as well, because we want to, some of the stuff that we're doing is already out. Some of the stuff will be out in a week, but mm-hmm. we want to, uh, we really want to highlight some of these records this week. Yeah. Because it's a damn good week, right? <laughs> Fucking really uh, strong week. Yeah. I think um, patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast is where you can go and quite a few people recently have signed up to uh, give us a little bit of money which we very very much appreciate and we um, will hopefully soon uh, have another rioters review going up I believe um, that is on uh, bubblegum by Mark Lanigan 
Uh, it should be up by now. Okay, cool. So that should be up by now. And uh, we're going to sit down and record, <laughs> unless this is five hours long, <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to sit down and record a chat on the, the self-titled Killing Joke album. Yes. The first one. Yes. Uh, Max Ellis, who suggested that over on our Patreon page, Thanks, Max. So anyway, uh, as I said, you know, we've got, and we're also we're in the process, I think you said last week, in the process of updating our website at the moment. Um, we are, Please yeah. do go and have a look at the, what's left of it and um, buy some merch. We've got hats <laughs> and mugs and waterproof stuff because I'm going to download this weekend. You're just want to say, um, Renfrew, I've done many things. People listening may know me from various different things throughout the years, maybe the Metal Hammer podcast or Team Up Radio or That's Not Metal or whatever uh, I've done previously in my life. But one thing has always kind of remained the same and although I want Riot Act to be different I don't want it to be that different so I just want to say fuck the weather (laughs) fucking weather I cannot fucking believe you're doing it again at download you absolute cunt of a cunt if I could find the if there was a human being responsible for creating the weather and I got my hands on them Mm -hmm. it would be like a scene out of Saw (laughs) like I would torture them in the most depraved ways i would honestly i would just i, I hate the weather maybe it's there. michael fish so maybe much. you've met your nemesis in the past already <laughs> yeah, well, well he'd already started before i met him yeah true old, uh, michael, michael fish, fish torture porn yeah unbelievable so i am already just a seething mess of anger or maybe it's uh if we're going back to our ancient ancestors maybe it's a god a weather god. Well, I have obviously uh, angered him, and a fucking let's have a fight. God, Stephen, I Stephen Hill versus. If there's a god, if, it, if God is listening, and presumably being omnipresent, he is. If this is up to you, and you've been doing this, I will fight you. I know I'll, I'll probably lose. I will fight God. I happily, Excellent. and I don't mean sort of mentally. I mean like in the parking lot, tops off, fisty cuffs. I'm just. I will fucking fight you. you Did you punk. say fifty cuffs or fisty cuffs? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I just feel like everything's against me at the minute. Bonjour's having a poo. The second Bonjour is having, having a poo like again. Eight minutes in. She's not had a poo for two days. She's like, oh, I'm waiting until they've started recording to have a poo. Maybe it's the sound of my voice, which maybe I I produce a brown note for cats. <laughs> I don't maybe, know. Maybe, maybe I'm the equivalent of sun for cats. Um, <laughs> lots of people asked us as well, so moving on from the weather, uh, to talk about. Frank Turner and The Armed last week. This happened a sort of week ago and I didn't initially put it in because I was a little bit like silly this, in it? But basically, um, you probably know the story by now. The Armed released a song called Featuring Frank Turner. The cover of it had Frank Carter. Um, apparently they used some unreleased Frank Turner material. It was an unreleased uh, demo, I believe. A, a demo of, of his of Which his was... Um, which he was working I'm on with... I'm cleaning the shit up. I can't... <laughs> he was working on this demo with Kurt Ballou, uh, who was the... Who's the guitarist from Converge and produces... Um, produces all of Converge's stuff and produces the Arms stuff as well, which is how, you know, one would get their hands on those Frank Turner demo things. Uh, listening to the song, Steve, mm-hmm. um, there's not an awful... I don't think you would know Frank Turner was in it. Mm-mm. If this whole Ferrari had kicked had kicked off, so right? the, the Ferrari being they used it, he went on, they tweeted it, he went on Twitter to go, "Hey, what's going on?" And everyone went, "Ah ha ha ha!" And they went, um, "Oh, it's a shame that you feel annoyed. We love gallows." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did a little joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely not real. We've all seen wrestling, but hey, I'll play along. <laughs> um, 
it's I'm I am staggered that so many people have actually fallen for it. Yeah. And people are going like, so many Frank Turner fans are stupid because they they they're going, oh, that's not you've used the wrong picture, mate. You've used the wrong picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's yeah. still people who are going, oh look how annoyed Frank Frank Turner is, and it's like, well. I think you've fallen for it. You well, seem to have fallen for it as all, well. All of the Whoops. arms. I mean, all of the arms stuff. And, and again, I, I stress this. I do not. I don't mean this as a uh, as a, um, a, a a diss. But it's brilliant marketing. Yeah. Post. Like, post. It's the sub. The genius of the sub pop marketing machine. Yeah. Like uh, in sort of you know twenty odd years later, all the shit that the you know the Nirvana and all that stuff was made up about you know they made up about the seattle scene back in the day it was yeah. hilarious and yeah. if you're in on the joke great yeah um it doesn't seem to be hardly anyone in on the joke no that's that's the only it's thing weird, it's almost it's almost everyone's taking it at fa- literally everyone seems to have taken it at face value um what i will say for the the commentators um it's funny isn't it how normally in the underground punk scene you steal someone's music and use it for your own it's kind of the least punk thing you can do kind of thieving other but you know like appropriating someone's music but here it appears to be the most punk thing you can do. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they've done it to Frank Turner. Yeah. And he yeah. thinks differently to some people, maybe. Yeah, Apparently, yeah. we don't really know. It's quite ambiguous. Do you want to hear my impersonation of the UK underground punk scene? Please. Bah. <laughs> bah. Bah. Uh, That's that very good. Quite yeah. good, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like... I I really like the arms. I really like Frank Turner. I really like Frank Carter. I mean, I don't feel like Frank Carter's super no, involved, involved in it. Frank Carter has very, you know, has just, just gone, kept okay. quiet and gone like, like whatever. Um, you know, and like that, the, the song is, is fucking great. It's the arms being yeah, the really arms. Good. It's brilliant, you know. Mm. And I do think this is like a genius. Well, you'll disagree, but genius along the same lines as the Teal album, totally different kind of marketing thing. But oh, it's yeah. genius marketing. No, no, this is this is great, and I, I know, like I say, I, I love it. I thought it was really funny, and it's great to play along. But you've got to understand that what I mean, what I wanted to do, and I still do want to do this, is get that song and release it under my own name and say featuring the arms, and then have a picture of the used. <laughs> That's a fantastic idea. That's what I would have. I really wish I had the know-how to be able to do that. But oh, I would love could, to do that. We could do a, a cover somehow. <laughs> we could do a cover of just put that song up with a picture <laughs> of the the used and say call it featuring the arm. I think that'd be great meta comedy. Yeah, that's a mm. that is a brilliant idea. It's great, actually. and you know, Let's punk for everyone apart from privately educated white men. Um, <laughs> So there you go. But anyway, that's basically what I think about that. Nice. Uh, yeah. Clutch have a new song out as well. Mm. It's called Evil. It's a mm. cover of the Cactus song. Uh, have you heard the original? Willie Cactus? Dixon. Is it? Oh, I thought okay. it was Willie Dixon, isn't it? Uh, well, I've heard Cactus do that song, but, but maybe it is a Willie Dixon original. I think I've, I've heard the Willie Dixon version. Okay. Well, uh, what came first, <laughs> the Cactus or the Willie? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, <laughs> should have probably looked that Um up. Yeah, it's it's Ace, isn't it? And it's as part of this Weathermaker mm. Vault series. So Weathermaker is Clutch's uh, record label, yeah. and um, I think they're just going to be releasing songs as throughout and when year. throughout the year. Mm. Sounds cool. Like more new Clutch is not a bad idea. No, no, ever. it's great. Uh, great. Um, always, always great to hear new Clutch. I think. And, yeah. Um, I really, I really like this song. I really like it. It's, it's got a massive Zeppelin vibe. It has. It? A, I'm, I want to say, I was about to say, have you heard the original? We've already done this, but so you haven't heard the cactus version. No. Now I've got a feeling and I can't really reveal to you how I feel that I know that this is the case, but oh. I think Neil Fallon likes the cactus version. Okay. Uh, yes. Wouldn't surprise me yeah. if, um, 
They are. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the clutch guys listened to Willie Dixon as well, though. Oh, Whether no, they're no, aware, yeah, of that, I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. But yeah, they're, I mean, he, I know. I can tell you for a fact they're definitely aware of the Cactus version, um, and which sounds much more. That dude's got much more. That sounds a bit Axl Rose, the kind of original. Whereas uh, oh. the Clutch Neil Fallon, obviously, it goes does not sound like Axl Rose. is way lower. But yeah, it's wicked. I'm and really in, interested to uh, to really listen good. to that. I mean, they, they've just released three great records. I remember we, when we reviewed the new one, we were fairly ho hum about it, but it really grew on me. Maybe yeah, I, I didn't even feel like we were. I just feel like you expect everyone to be like, oh my God, Clutch. Mm. And we probably should have gone, oh my God, Clutch, rather than, yeah, Clutch. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's mainly the difference. Because I, I do think we both went, yeah, it's good, this. Yeah. It's really good. But Book of Bad Decisions really grew on me throughout the year, and mm. and I'm still listening to it now. And I think when I reviewed it, I didn't think I would be. Mm. So, fair. Good bands. Anyway, um, let's talk about some live reviews. Now, I saw a couple of gigs, and we will f- cover those gigs in the album reviews, I think would be mm. the best thing to do. So instead, we're going to talk about Portals Festival. Now, you and I were meant to go to Portals Festival. Mm-hmm. I couldn't go in the end because I was mm-hmm. doing something. Top I always secret. do this. I always do this. I always tease like something else that I can't. But trust me, if you were doing what I was doing... You're making crystal you, math, weren't you? Yeah, well, on the yeah, size. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you'd been if you'd been offered the thing to do that I did, you would have done the thing that I did. Steve I, thought Breaking Bad was a documentary and went, "Man, that's like a good idea." Good I think idea. I might try Just that. Just took a, an ill-fitting green shirt, <laughs> massive pair of pants, and fucked off into the desert. <laughs> Um, so while Steve is running his uh, crystal meth emporium, I went to see Portals and um, I got there quite late actually on the Saturday, unfortunately, due to other commitment bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. But I did get there in time for Slow Crush. Okay. Um, who do you know Slow Crush on I don't Holy know Raw? Slow Crush, but you've talked about them before. I They're mean, on Holy Raw and they are a shoegaze band i think people would assume just because of the holy raw connection that it's going to be some sort of metal e kind of inspired thing but to be honest they're quite straight ahead um shoegaze but very very good they released an album their debut album last year aurora yeah it's very good but it's definitely one of those records that after seeing them live and this was the first time i saw them live uh, I've gone back to it and gone. Oh, I like it a lot more yeah. now. Um, I believe it was cu- gonna. It was on the long list for one of our catch-up shows last year. And all right, Bonjour, enough of that. And um, and if if I had seen them live, I think I would have pushed it through for us to actually review really? it. Okay. If that makes sense. So definitely one of those shows where you go, yes, they are much better live than I than I. Well, they're better than I realised they were. Now okay, them live. Cool. Um, McCluskey. Ah, ah, Steve, um, this is the one that I'm fucking furious about. Describe McCluskey for people, Steve. Um, it's hard, isn't it? Like a sort of funny Fugazi. Yeah, yeah, a self, almost self-deprecating kind of yeah, Fugazi. A really deliberately, uh, a very like a British. They're, they're the British Fugazi. Uh, I think that's fair. Um, Falco, the lead singer and guitarist, was wearing a T-shirt that said Poundland Shellac, uh, which is also <laughs> pretty fucking funny uh, if you know some very obscure bands back catalogues. Um, but yeah, that I mean, Poundland Shellac is not far off. <laughs> Although I would say that in a very, in a very much um, 
complimentary sense, to be honest. Hmm. Um, McCluskey were absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be, just to pick up on that, yeah. you'd rather be a Poundland shellac than a Harrods bullet from a Valentine. <laughs> quite, quite, exactly. Um, they're fucking hilarious. I mean, uh, Falco at one point, um introduce uh lightsaber cocksucker blues as his grandma's favorite song which it might be yeah um but you know and like there was one point he was saying like someone smells very eggy down here down the front he was complaining about farts and stuff damien from the saint pierre snake invasion who we'll be talking about uh later was playing bass for them which is very cool uh yeah. and they got like julia came out for a song who's um now uh, with Falco in from a future from the left and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They played this hour long set. They were, I'm reliably informed that they were the only band on the main stage to not have any tracks whatsoever, which is kind of interesting. A bit like I did last week. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of feeling like we're almost going to have to kowtow to this tracks thing. It's slightly depressing, but maybe that's a conversation for another time. I don't know. I think I'm less angry about it than you. Possibly. Uh, although I don't like, you know, when it, when you're like, okay. When it tips over the sort of 50% mark, that's when I've got a problem. I would like, oh, 50. I mean, I would go, I would go over 20 personally, but it depends. Uh, but that's, that's the thing. I, I, maybe this is a good opportunity actually to say that like, I am not saying we should abandon tracks altogether in live music occasionally. Like if it puts in a harmony or something like that, it's actually quite a nice thing. Um, but it's just when it's completely overboard, you know. To be fair, I don't think any of the bands at Portals had too many tracks, to be honest. It was yeah. just interesting to hear that they were the only band on that main stage on that first day to not use any tracks at all. Mm. And as a result, it was just this very kinetic, live, punk as fuck energy. And it was great. Um, yeah, fucking love McCluskey. And I'm I sad. Do. I I was just said to you on the phone yesterday. Like, I remember mm. getting McCluskey does Dallas about six months before they split up. And mm. I was like, oh, this is amazing. And mm. then they split up and I went out. Yeah. Yeah. They're brilliant. If you don't know McCluskey, well, yeah, McCluskey Do Dallas is the one to go for, really, McCluskey isn't it? McCluskey Do Dallas is a really good record. I don't think they've done a bad album, though, realistically. They've only got like three, I think. But yeah. Uh, they went down to Dallas for Telesen. It's their first show in quite a long while. You know, I'm yeah, a yeah, very. Yeah, you're a fan of that. Yeah, very, very big fan of Telesen. Uh, much in the same way as I'm a massive fan of Weezer or Pixies or that kind of thing. I think they are kind of a British equivalent of. If you smushed 50% of Weezer and 50% of Pixies together, you've got Tellison as far as I'm concerned. Mm. I think they have the oddities and idiosyncrasies of those bands. I think they sound deceptively simple. Um, but if you get down into the inui of um, some Weezer tracks and some Pixies tracks, they're actually much more complex than you would initially think. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely the case with Tellison as well. They just played a great, almost greatest hit set there was a lot of stuff from hope fading nightly the album that we covered before um but i think the vocal interplay between steve and peter and andrew like on songs like men uh and stuff like that is what like elevates them above a lot of bands of this type something that we might be talking about later um but um yeah, they just they just play loads of brilliant, brilliant songs. The humility in the lyrics of a song like Tact is Dead or something like that or Letter from the Team, as I was talking about uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's just brilliant. Um, and they played a couple of new songs as well and they sounded great. So, yeah, super excited to have those guys back. Um, and then I went upstairs for Agent Fresco. 
Now, yeah, okay. How was Agent Fresco? Because they obviously headlined um, over McCluskey, which I was slightly surprised at. I have to say they're that big. I didn't realise they were quite as sizable, but, you know, that's great that they are. I think Agent Fresco was a real coup for, port to, for Portals to get. I think it was a really big deal. Um, I will say that I was somewhat surprised that McCluskey had a bigger crowd. Um, speaking to other people, some people were like, I I'm not. But maybe my sheer no, no yeah i mean maybe it's just my sheer love for agent fresco that makes me kind of go they're not a big band no i know i guess i mean the last time i saw them they headlined i think it was the borderline oh right well okay i mean they're not they're not a big band i would say they're bigger than that now they probably are bigger than that um, now. but i mean again the last few times i've seen them, they didn't even headline tech fest when you think yeah heart of a coward and you know monuments headline tech yeah. Fest. but when i i don't know when i listen to them i think i just get this thing of like well they should be that big oh, yeah, because they're fucking, <laughs> amazing. They're fucking yeah, they're amazing um and they literally don't sound like any other band ever mm. really like you can you can you can talk about five or six or seven or eight other bands that they they take a little bit from and then smoosh them together but mm. you know they don't really sound like anything at all anything no. else at all really not, particularly, no. not like in a, as a package no they don't so i was immensely looking forward to fresco and fresco never disappoint me to be honest they've always been brilliant um they were marred with some technical issues which kind of slightly uh slightly dampened the performance somewhat but it was still i don't think fresco could play a bad show to mm. be honest i did see them afterwards and they they seemed a little disheartened but i think it was i thought it was absolutely brilliant did still. they play sea hell they did play that sea is hell. such a tune yes it that is. is such a tune and the story about it was amazing yeah, yeah. and his his voice is just anna's voice is incredible oh, it's something else isn't it i I, th I think it's wonderful and i find it crazy how anyone couldn't like anna's voice um i did hear some people go they're a really interesting band but i just can't get behind the vocals and i have yeah, to say weird, that. that is not a that is not an that is not an opinion that i can understand personally mm. um but you know fair fine whatever um yeah, they played mainly stuff from Destroyer, like, yeah, Sea Hell, Dark Water, Wait For Me. Like, it was just fantastic. They also played a couple of new songs, which sounded brilliant. Great. Um, so there will be more from Fresco soon, and I'm sure they will be back um, at 100% uh, very soon. But even at 80%, which I think is where Fresco were. And they're still fucking brilliant. So, yeah, they were fantastic. Uh, and then the next day I started by seeing A.A. Williams. I think this is the third time I've seen A.A. Williams now. Yeah, um, Full bands show this time. Um, best time I've seen her. Really? Um, okay, the, sound, the sound in the dome, particularly all weekend bar fresco, was amazing. I will get onto that later. But as a result, the dynamics that it gave A.A. Williams were particularly good. It felt so strong when when uh she came in with really heavy stuff there were some new songs as well which sound fucking great and okay. they sound um fairly, uh, different from the ep not miles different but definitely different there is definitely okay. a different different thing that she's going for i think the uh almost more post-rock elements will be upped from what i can hear on this new stuff because um 
just they just feel more dynamic there was one point where i was actually it was like a cat out of the closet scare when when like everything came on came in it was really like went from very very quiet to very very loud and she hasn't really quite done that yet the the ep generally sort of swelled to loudness um as usual she was brilliant um she's being booked at all she's been booked at all the you know loads of great massive festivals in the uk and there's there's a good reason because she's just fantastic so we'll probably yeah, see her 2000 trees arc tangent um <laughs> all the massive <laughs> well, well, glastonbury and Dallas. but she's but she's not of that level yet i mean for someone who's just released an ep okay. and you know she played roadburn maybe instead of massive maybe i should say prestigious mm. um and um yeah quite rightly because she's fucking great you yeah. know so um waking ida waking ida are were a uh sort of elegiac cinematic post-rock band and in and i was a very big I, I am a very big fan of them the last two the first two albums i actually streamed them both on the independent um they have metamorphosized over the past few years into a very different band. Um, so they used to be instrumental. They're now a sort of electronic pop band with vocals. Oh, yeah. Almost. I heard elements of Foles. Okay. I kind of heard elements of Kississippi in it. That record that we uh, reviewed Sunset last Blue. week. Sunset Blush. Sunset Blush. Blush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, there, there's a few bands that have made that kind of transformation. Sometimes it's not been successful at all. And sometimes it's been very successful. Um, I'm still unsure if this transformation is going to be successful or not. I feel like I need to hear them in the studio with this new material before I can fully get on board with it. I would certainly say that generally, obviously cinematic post-rock is generally more my thing than electro pop, mm. you know, as, as most people who listen to this will probably realize not to say, but you know, putting that aside, I do think it's very good what they're doing. Um, I'm just wondering and hoping that enough people will go with them for it. And at the moment, I can't decide because I've seen them twice since they've had this new direction. The first time um, was a few years ago, actually, and it wasn't it wasn't wonderful, if I'm honest. And now it's much better and they feel much more comfortable in this skin. But uh, I think I'm going to have to hear studio stuff before I can absolutely say this is definitely going to work. But yeah, very interesting. Really okay. interesting when bands do that. Mm-hmm. Um Presumably you're about to talk about Palm Reader now. This is what I'm excited about. Uh, I will in a minute, (laughs) but not quite yet. Uh, First of all, I want to talk about Polymath, Mm -hmm. who Polymath you're familiar with, right? If you don't know Polymath, imagine King Crimson meets the Mars Volta kind of thing. Yeah, with a sprinkling of like Ornassi Pazuzu, Mm -hmm. but all instrumental. Um, Best sound I've seen for Polymath for a long time. I've been quite unlucky with Polymath recently with bad sound. And as I said, everything up there sounded amazing. And Polymath are one of those bands who need a good sound because, you know, if you can imagine that combination of Crimson, Mars Volta and Ornassi, exactly. It's really intricate and there's all sorts of things going on on it. Um, But it was the best show I've seen them play for absolutely ages. If that sounds appealing to you, like bonkers, proggy, 
wizardry 10 minute songs all that kind of thing obviously it's not going to appeal to everyone but if it it does sound appealing to you and you've not checked them out you really must check them out because they are fucking brilliant uh palm reader yeah yeah you said now you gave me a little spoiler about this Mm. we've been very very complimentary about palm reader well i have for about nine years now so yeah i've not been far behind you (laughs) yeah um palm reader it's getting boring saying it now they get better every single time you said this was the definitive palm reader show well i yes i we saw them at the boston music rooms last uh, at the end of last year and that was absolutely amazing they played braille in full Mm -hmm. they had a wicked light show uh which they they'd never really gone into that realm of having kind of cool lighting and stuff like that before um and that was really really cool what i will say palm reader you know and i mean this affectionately but there's this scuzzy hardcore punk band which people are you will have seen them more in pubs and clubs than in a big venue that actually gives them the sound that they probably deserve i think the thing with palm reader though is particularly with the last two records and particularly with braille there are so many awesome intricacies and interesting stuff happening um that get totally lost when you see them in those tiny pub club venues like those pub gigs have lots to recommend about them in terms of like it going mad but if you actually want to hear what they're doing um this was they had incredible sound and it was just like one of those shows where you go fuck me like they can make people move but also what they're doing is so interesting and like particularly the braille material they played almost exclusively material from braille Mm. um almost and they were just devastating um the drums were it felt like they were physically hitting me um which is amazing like whenever dan was using like double bass pedals it was just like beating against my heart basically um so certainly in terms of like it, it felt like i saw them it felt like boston music room show last year was like the the pinnacle of what they can do in a small uh, grotty venue if you will mm. i don't know if possible music was grotty but you know what i mean and this felt like a step up and they are more than capable of doing those rooms um yeah. and it was I mean, fucking well wonderful Brixton. i have to yeah. say just to go on a little yeah, yeah, yeah. tangent on this I've, i you know as i mentioned earlier i'm going to download this weekend palm reader played download once it was a couple of months after bad weather came out so what would that have been 2000 and 13 i want to say that sounds that sounds pretty good yeah 2012 or 2013 um and they have improved by such both in terms of music they make the band they are the live show they put on they have improved tenfold since then yep they put out three albums of like sorry two well, they have put out three. They put out three out fucking outstanding records. Obviously, they had one out at download at that time, but they put out two more since then, which are completely brilliant. Yep, I, th- I think they're better and better as well. Yep. As they get, I think they've got better and as they've gone on. They've not been booked at the biggest big rock festivals. They've played that. They've played download one time, and they've just been. They've not played again. And I think it is shameful that they've never been given another chance to play that 
festival again. I definitely think that's true. I mean, I think there's uh, loads of bands who yeah, don't get booked to that festival. Yeah, Tomasi are coming back to download the first yeah. time they played in. Are they playing this year or did they play last year? Uh, they, they played, played last year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it was the first time they played in God knows how long, wasn't it, when they yeah. played it last yeah. year? Yeah, I think this is the thing that, I mean, this is a different conversation, but that's because other festivals have sprung up and are taking the new bands on and download aren't as they're starting to catch up but then when it comes to finding new acts that just doesn't seem to be downloads priority well which I is mean, fine th- that's the thing is I, I mean i would actually argue that it's the other way it feels like palm reader are old news to them maybe maybe you know i mean I, when i think you know relative massy played it last year for the first time in god knows how long palm reader done it once mm. devil sold his soul never done it they've mm. never played download mm. they're not going mm. to now because mm. you know um but it, yeah anyway that seems ridiculous to me but go on well yeah um what else? uh sorry what did i, I see next went off on one a bit then no 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 that's perfectly fair enough and should be said um i then went to see telepathy do you know telepathy no so really i think you'd really i think telepathy would be a bit of you i have to say um very glacial instrumental post black metal kind of thing oh nice um they are i so i've got a couple of their records and i've really enjoyed them on record but i've never seen them live before and they were fantastic uh again amazing sound they were upstairs at the uh dome and they just sounded absolutely amazing they're again there's lots of like nice ethereal guitar textures, which then go into these massive fucking riffs. Um, they were just brilliant. And, and it felt really driving. Some of that music can sometimes get a bit boring, as you've said quite a lot. But I feel like their stuff is driving enough to not get boring. Mm. I thought they were great. Okay, Absolutely cool. brilliant. Um, I then went to see I Like Trains, um, which is kind of like propulsive cinematic post-rock fronted by a singer who sounds a bit like the guy from Interpol or Editors or even Morrissey if he wasn't a cunt. Um, (laughs) If you liked that Her Name Is Colour album that we raved about a couple of weeks ago. You do. (laughs) And and you do. (laughs) Um, You could do a lot worse than check out I Like Trains, to be honest. They, you know, the they're very it's a very sort of similar kind of um vocal post-rock kind of cinematic experience it's an absolutely abysmal name i like trains i like trains it's not the best i agree that is a terrible name did they one of their like was one of them got a like four-year-old kid and they went oh daddy's in a band now you want to name the band i don't know um they do have kids there was a there was a really interesting documentary that they did mm-hmm. called uh, a divorce before marriage which is basically about like how how you um how you try and have a family life and be in a band at the same time um and the the soundtrack that they did for that um for that film which is the same name, A Divorce Before Marriage, is actually my favourite thing that they've done. Um, but if you want to check them out, I would say The Shallows is probably a good one to go for as well if you want something with mm-hmm. lyrics. But I'd never seen them live before. I've known about them for a little while, but never seen them live. And I kind of feared, when you listen to the colour record, there is a kind of fear. It's like, oh, is that going to work live? Is it going to be yeah. interesting and stuff like that? And it does. And I Like Trains were exactly the same. They were they were far more compelling live than I imagined them to be in my head. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they were fantastic. Um which leads me on to Three Trap Tigers, who closed uh, the whole shebang. Closed the whole shebang. Um, Three Trap Tigers are one of the most innovative, best bands 
the UK has ever produced, in my opinion. Yeah, I've heard this a lot, you know. They are fucking amazing. They are... I've seen them eight times now yeah. over the last sort of seven years. Um, and I've seen them open for, you know... Deftones? Deftones, Dillinger Death Escape Plan, like so many, so many incredible bands. And all of those bands always seem to be fucking amazed at what they're doing. That Deftones show was quite famous for Chino kind of coming out at the side of the stage and just filming what their drummer Adam Betts was doing because... I mean, I think Adam is probably, I think about this a lot. I think he's probably the best drummer in the UK, probably. Well, yeah, I've heard a few people say that. He is amazing. And what he's doing with drums, I'm not going to go into it now because it's complex, but it's actually pushing the whole form forward. Um, basically, they're kind of like an electronic rock three piece. It's like electronic rock, which it feels like it's going to be as vital in 2050 as it is now which is not something that happens very often with electronic rock stuff um there's quite a big emphasis on everything being played live um so there are triggers and stuff like that you know there are things which are like a drum will be hit and you know it'll be a electronic drum sound which doesn't sound like a drum or whatever but but everything is actually performed live and i think the it gives them an almost kind of punk rock sensibility as a result but it's also insanely technical what they're doing i mean you know you've got a bass player who's like uh, sorry you've got a guitar player who's also playing keyboard you know sometimes at the same time um you've got these riffs which are just flow i mean some of their riffs must have 60 or 70 notes in them yeah. uh, a song like cram for example which is one of their big songs which they played second um if you listen to the riff for cram it is mad. It lasts, uh, like, one rotation of the riff lasts, like, 14 seconds or something. And I, th I think it probably has around 60 notes in it. It's it's just mad. And, and like, it could... And I don't think it ever... Personally, I don't think it ever devolves into just fret wankery either. I, th I, think, I think, you know, they do actually write songs. Um, and they are just so ahead of the curve with everything, in my opinion. And I do really think that... They are going to be a band who sound as phenomenal in 30 years' time as they do now because they are just that far ahead of the curve. Are you not familiar with them? I, I, I saw them with Deftones and I'm, I've never bothered listening to them. Amazing. I, obviously, Brixton fucked them. I mean, by far, the Brixton show was the, the weakest to have seen them purely down to sound. Um, I've never seen them and to a point where they've not made my jaw a drop because the talent on display there is absolutely amazing but like i say it's not you know as as is many you know no, no offense to tech fest but as many bands on tech fest for example there's there's a lot of kind of like amazing technical things going on but not necessarily songs and i don't think that's the case with three track tigers at all mm. um yeah uh okay. portals was inc brilliant this year Good. like really brilliantly put together it was an amazing weekend um and yeah uh i think it's going to go from strength to strength well i'll hopefully get to go next year yeah you but should when do. you find out what well, i'll do and you will be like oh really <laughs> um anyway uh so yeah good let's move on and do some reviews and we have to start i think um the obvious place to start this week is with baroness uh, they are about to release, and I 
well, they, it'll be out this, today. It will be out today if you're listening to this podcast that it comes out. They are, they have just released Gold and Grey, which is their fifth album, or is it their sixth and seventh albums? I know. Yeah. Ooh, who knows? Oh. What, what? 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 What do you think? I think it's their fifth. Whenever I yeah. listen to Yellow and Green, I always listen to it as a whole. Mm. So. Okay. I think that's probably right. Yeah. Um, so it's the fifth album from Baroness, returning after the majestic purple in 2015 which um for my money for my little uh, opinion for whatever it's worth is one of the finest albums of the decade although you could also say that about yellow and green as well um yeah yeah essentially um i'm I, just to interject very quickly i would agree with you in terms of purple one of the finest records of the decade but i would also say it's probably my least favorite baroness album well, Which shows you the sheer quality of the their output. Really. Yes, I mean, really, at this point, if any of you have listened to anything that Renfrew and I have ever said ever, you probably know what's coming. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Let's be honest. No yeah. one is going. I wonder what they're thinking of the new Baroness album. But I thought I wanted to bring this up. Uh, the thing that people moaned about on the last album, Purple, if people did have a problem with Purple, it was the production. A lot of people said, I hated the production. It's terribly produced. Oh, right. Really I didn't awful. really hear that. Okay. Yeah, oh, God. The backlash. It got a serious backlash, the okay. production on Purple. And I was reminded... It's David of, Friedman, isn't it? Mm. He's good. And he produced this record as well. He did, yeah. And um, I mean, I'm not necessarily... You know, I, th- so I'd kind of forgotten that that happened, but I do remember it happening. Ooh, and then to me, that has. Has it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm yeah, just going to sit and stew for two minutes. Sorry. Well, there, I mean, there <laughs> is a few um, full on, because some people I said, oh, I love, I'm listening to Golden Grey. No spoilers, but you know, you know what, you know what you, what I'm going to say. And a few people went, oh, is the production going to ruin it again? Like purple. And a few people tweeted that back at me the other day when I was listening to this record. And, I was like, oh yeah, people hated the production on Purple. That's weird. And there are blogs, thousand word essays dedicated to what is wrong with the right. production on Purple. Oh, I missed this totally. Mm. Okay. And, it, you know, it, and I, I can hear the difference between the rest of Baroness's recorded output and Purple. For my money. Th- there's a difference with all of their albums. They're yeah. all different. Mm. But certainly. Um, I think the people that were furious about the production on Purple are probably going to be furious again. Do you think so? I think so, yeah. I think they will. I, I mean, think, I think they're, well, well, maybe. I think that I, I, I don't understand the problem with the production on Purple, but I think they're very, I think this is yet again a very different sounding record. Well, I think the problem from what I understand it is that it's compressed and Baroness being quite a fast sounding band people were saying, oh, it sounds like it's too confined and it sounds, you know, like it's all a bit tinny and it's it, nothing's given enough room to breathe. Now, I feel like... Wow, I, I couldn't disagree with that more, but okay. No, no, it's a weird one, that, because yeah. I never noticed it myself. Yeah. Like, I could kind of go... When I listened back to it, I was like, I I can hear the difference... Like I said, I can hear the difference between the, that and the other records, yeah. but... To me, I thought that was a stylistic decision that the band had made. Baroness have a very analog sound, mm. and I wonder if I wonder if that's something to do with it. Well, we we have a generation of people growing up with digital music, which is very different. We're going to talk. There's a couple of records that we're going to talk about, which are very digital. And I mean, talking about compressed, that will come up later. But you know, like 
I, I couldn't disagree with, with that more. I mean, the, it the, gives the, it an eighties post-punk yeah I sort of say quality. 70s almost actually yeah i mean 70s <clears> rock or i mean i think maybe because of the songs on this one it reminded me more of the sort of of the 80s and oh, it's okay. not very metal like no but the baroness are not a metal band but fuck anymore. it yeah i mean this is the thing our baroness I, I actually think they're quite suited to that production at this point yeah because let's just kick off this review because obviously you know that we're both going to say this album's great are Baroness even a metal band anymore? I mean, I don't think Baroness have been a metal band since Yellow and Green. No. You know, actually, this is going to lead, this is lead me on to something. Uh, you know, take a breather for two minutes because this <laughs> is a little rant from me. Um, if people have a compre- com- uh, criticism of latter day Baroness, I find it's that they don't have any riffs anymore red and to a lesser extent blue record were full of these kind of sludgy awesome riffs and they were compared at the time to the likes of mastodon kylesa all those bands yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. red fang bloody 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 and the the main complaint seems to be like oh where are the riffs and my response to that is if you think riffs are the pinnacle of like songwriting ability mm. you are not paying attention properly baroness don't aren't they've they've gone to the point now where riffs are not the main thing it's far more about songwriting it's about expansive kind of um just these huge like the the sound is so massive on this record i think i think they've gone far beyond just regurgitating great riffs to become one of the most intricate most diverse most interesting rock bands and i think they are a rock band uh, well i'm I'll in raise of you, modern times i'll raise you rock band and say on the evidence of this alternative band yeah yeah exactly because there are moments on and a lot a lot of them i mean you know they can still do riffs, you, you know. The, the, a, they can. a song like "Throw Me an Anchor" has yeah. that spidery opening, yeah. which, if they want to, they can. Which, but that's not what the the, the emphasis yeah. is on. Anymore. But when when you know when we talk about the sort of alternative, modern alternative indie band, like indie bands that we like, or whatever whatever you would call them, when we think <clears> of bands like you know we spoke about the National before, we bring up Arcade Fire a lot. They're not a million miles away from that sort of thing. Really, are they? They're not yeah. a million miles no. away from Arctic Monkeys, like on in the sort of humbug era. Yeah, Arctic I understand Monkeys. what you're saying. I, I, I think I more harken back with this album. I mean, for me, I feel like that this is kind of their attempt to make uh, a physical graffiti or a dark side of the moon. I was going to bring or, up Pink Floyd's yeah. a fair bit. Yeah, or, yeah. or a Francis the Mute even. Mm. or even a crack the sky if you will Mm. um and they're not in the business of creating mere albums anymore they're in the business of creating works of art in my opinion and um i that that will endure for decades and and i have to say again for what it's worth not only do i think the production suits them not only do i think you're barking up the wrong tree by considering them a metal band I think they're better at doing this stuff than they are at doing riffs. I agree. I yeah. think there are songs on here that are better than anything on those first two records. I agree. I, I, I definitely agree. Um, I think this is, it's it's Baroness at their most expansive. It, it feels like both of us are going to say the word expansive a lot. Probably, um, yeah. It's them at their kind of proggiest 
um, it makes sense after purple because uh, the reason why I say, I think purple is brilliant. And uh, uh, when it's good, when purple's good, chlorine and wine uh, uh, shock me. If I have to wake if, up. If I have to wake up, uh, the, the rain song. Uh, <laughs> when it's good, it's some of the best material they've ever done. Mm-hmm. But it feels like a very slight album, Purple. Do you think? Yeah, it, every time it ends. I mean, I suppose in a way you could see this as, you know, not a bad thing. But every time it ends, I go, I want more. And in, oh, in a disappointing okay. kind of okay. way. I don't mean yeah. slight in terms... And there's a lot going on on the record. Yeah. Um, but uh, it... I, I didn't... I don't ever feel it's satisfied m- listening to the album as a whole. So you want Personally, more. I want more. Mm. And Golden Grey is definitely more. Giving you more. Definitely yeah. giving me more. It's 17 tracks. I don't think we can say 17 songs. No. Maybe 14 songs mm-hmm. uh, or something along those lines. Uh, it's just over an hour long. Um, and it is, I mean, oh, I hate using this word, but it's a journey. Yeah. Um, it goes to all sorts of different places. There's a all sorts of weird and wonderful guitar tones. I mean, the whole guitar tone thing and like the sounds that John Dyer Baisley gets is something which I really love about Baroness. I think they've really started exploring since Yellow and Green. Mm -hmm. Um, It feels more like a band album. Um, This feels like like the contributions from all four members of Baroness. I mean, sometimes... The, the amount of amazing bass work yeah. on this record. I've, I mean, again, <clears throat> I, I agree, but I I wouldn't disagree. Uh, I would agree with that, whatever album you put in front of me. Maybe, maybe. I know obviously you don't, um, well, Purple was obviously the first, you know, and they've changed since Purple, they've changed the lineup again. Yeah. But yeah, that was a whole new lineup. So maybe that is more like a John Baisley solo. I, the closest there's been to a solo album. Yeah. I'm partly saying this because I actually read somewhere, I think it was an NPR, um, the album that this is closest to, and it is not a sequel or a copy of this album or anything like that, but the album it's closest to is Yellow and Green. A hundred percent, I think, yeah. And I, which by the way, I think is Baroness's best album. Um, it's, a, it's an incredible, incredible yeah. record. Yeah. And um, I didn't realise this, but um, they didn't have a bass player at the time of recording Yellow and Green. Um, John Dyer Baisley does all the bass on it. Which, yeah, okay, so didn't you didn't know, know that. that either. I didn't know that either. I, no. I was stunned to find that out. But, he's but good, that He's good. <laughs> oh my God, he's, he's good. He's good. He's fucking he's good. He's good at things. Um, and he was saying uh, in this interview that as a result of like now having an actual bass player, you know, John Dyer basically plays bass fantastically, but like an actual bass player who actually, you know, that has uh, just made it a bit more... I say expansive again. I'm going to try and stop saying expansive, um, cohesive. cohesive, and like, mm. and there's just there's bits where you go, oh, that's an amazing bit, and it's played on the bass, and it's sort of that's true. We rarely point out bassists in bands. People rarely point out bassists in bands today. We're going to be pointing out a lot today. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah I mean, I, I mean, that's I I didn't know that. I don't know where. I was yeah, it's about bonkers, to isn't it? To, but yeah, that's. I mean, I can I can definitely see that. But to kind of. Um, the comparisons with bands like Mastodon, I think, really should be put to bed now. I agree. Um, and it, but isn't that partly just because they all come from Georgia as well? 
Uh, from Atlanta, maybe Georgia. You know, I think yeah, that's but you know, like there certainly was. They were all they were all on relapse as well, weren't they? Oh a bunch yeah, of them that's were on right. Relapse. Yeah, that's right. They yeah, toured yeah, together. Yeah. They kind of came through at the same time. You know, there's Torch as well, and there's a you know, you know, there's a yes. whole scene of yeah, those yeah. bands who were all great sort bands, sort of similar. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of those bands were very, very good. Obviously, I think we've got to the point now where Mastodon and Baroness are the two most sizable ones and the two best absolutely you know and they both have headed off into completely into different directions and exactly in their own thing yeah um it's weird to me not weird that mastodon are so commercially successful but mastodon don't strike me as the sort of band on paper when you think about an album as fucking mad as emperor of sand which mm-hmm. you know again I don't think I'm downplaying how brilliant Mastodon are because Mastodon are fucking brilliant. But really, where Baroness has gone, you would expect them, and certainly listening to this, you would expect Baroness to be the more commercially sizable band, I would think. Even the difficult things. I mean, even a song like Cold-Blooded Angels, Ah, which is like Pink Floyd at their, their kind of quietest, and really minimal and beautiful, but slowly kind of builds and builds and builds and builds. You know, there's an, again, with all due respect to Mastodon, I don't think they do the subtle, quiet stuff, the melodic stuff, um, the kind of, the shimmering stuff as as well as Baroness. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I, I would, you know, to give Mastodon a bit of, uh, I don't think, I don't think Baroness do the heavy stuff as well no, as no, Mastodon exactly. either. There's some stuff yeah, that yeah, yeah. Mastodon do better and some stuff <clears throat> Baroness do better and both of them have focused in on what it is that is that they do best. unique and exactly. brilliant about their bands and they've gone off in those directions. It just yeah, so happens exactly. that the stuff that Baroness is doing happens to be, on paper at least, much more commercially viable as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, I, I do understand what you're saying. I, I think... I think in the 70s, it's interesting you say the 80s because I see a lot of 70s stuff on this record, but in the 70s, like there's no reason at all why Baroness wouldn't have been um, contemporaries of Crimson or um, Pink Floyd or uh, Yes, maybe, maybe Rush. Um, but uh, in in 2019, I wonder, I mean, Baroness should be bigger than they are, undoubtedly. They are one of the best bands on the planet right now and have been for at least this whole this decade. decade if we yep. put together a list of the best bands of this decade baroness are right up baroness there. are if you're talking 20 bands yep. that have been doing what they've been doing throughout this decade yep. you I, I cannot fathom baroness not making the 20 can't make them i can't fathom the them making the 10 yeah it's I, I you, think that there's no way phenomenal there's no yeah. way the consistency of the their recorded output how great they are live the way that they have kind of traversed something really terrible mm-hmm. happening yep. to them as well. Let's not forget yep. that. Yep. Um, that hasn't even, well, obviously has shaken them personally, but you'd never know it. If you put their albums on, you wouldn't no. have a fucking clue that no. that had happened. If no. you said to someone like, oh, listen to, these, listen to yellow and green, purple, and then gold and grey back to back and go, there's basically there's only one dude that kind of has played on all three of these yeah. albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. people, you, you'd be stunned by that. They've been through an awful lot of things which would have uh, destroyed lesser bands. Mm. Um, and I think for me, with Golden Grey in particular, I think what really elevates it to one of the best records Baroness have done 
is the fact that they take influences from so many different places it yeah. feels like it feels like it's come they're coming from so i don't know the baseline on i'm already gone sounds like it could be played by radiohead's colin greenwood you know mm. um the there's an interlude track called sevens which has an almost like Oliver arnold's kind of sound to it yeah um tourniquet begins with what you could describe as a Dylan-esque kind of folk yeah. sort of thing before going into something totally different. Amazing song, Tourniquet, by the yeah, way. that's a brilliant song. Um, it almost goes into a sort of elegiac space rock kind of number. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. Anchor's Lament features something which isn't a million miles away from G- Gregorian chanting. Yeah, there is that weird chanty bit in there. Right? Yeah. And it's, and which sounds shite when you say it like that well yes no yeah but it does it doesn't I, and loads of bands do try this gregorian chanting thing yeah. let's say well we were talking about morbid angel last week uh, yep <laughs> and sometimes it sounds fucking terrible yes. morbid angel is a brilliant example uh but, but the baroness have done it perfectly it sounds absolutely amazing yeah. the harmonies in general on this mm-hmm. record the harmonies with john and uh gino isn't it yeah. um sound absolutely on point and wonderful i think the point when I was listening to this record, certainly the first time around, where I really just was marvelled at the genius of Baroness, was probably I'm interested I, in this. I'd do anything. Hundred percent. That is the sweetest of sweet spots on this record. Yeah, that's one of the best songs I've ever done. And actually, I mean, I was going to say, you know, in to kind of go back to the production very, very quickly, and th- that's when it suits this band. Oh God, yes. Like that is when you go, yes. And when I talk about the 80s, I mean, again, when people think about the 80s, they probably think of Duran Duran or Metallica, right? And again, because of sort of what I'm listening to, a a kind of um, Joy Division uh, killing joke, just because we're talking about them later, like that kind of thing that those bands could do where they make things sound massive out of sparseness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. that's kind of what I mean mm. and I'm Already Gone has that Blankets of Ash um, into Emmett Radiating Light does but but particularly like you say the best song on the record for my money hands down and possibly the best song Baroness have ever done Oof. is I'd Do Anything I think it's a wonderful song I don't know if I'd go that far it's what for I w- me this absolute centrepiece it's the centrepiece of this album absolutely um, the reason why I find it utterly genius I agree with everything you've just said there um, I'd Do Anything is four chords mm. and it is a chord sequence which has been used by a million bands the world over Um it's been done again and again and again. And there are a lot of people, probably the same people who go, where are the riffs? Who would go, oh, well, there's only four chords. Mm. Um, songwriting is a, an amazing songwriter can take those same four chords that you have heard a million times over. And believe me, you have heard this chord sequence a million times over. And they can turn it into something which sounds fresh and exciting and original and new. And... Um, a lot of it is done in the production, actually, uh, particularly with that song. Mm. Um, and I think John's performance on it is stunning. It's really laid bare, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some people, I think this is, I'm really glad you feel the same way about that song because some people will point to that song as the reason why Baroness have lost it. Mm. And I say to those people, 
your critique is rubbish because you don't <laughs> understand music properly. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but, but they don't. But that's the thing. Music isn't about the chords you use. It's about the way you use them. Mm. And so, so you know, you go, yeah, you don't of, understand music properly yeah, the, if, the, if you're saying that. The Beatles' entire back catalog. Exactly. Exactly. Pick up that up on that and go, you know, oh God, he's, he's not, you know, Paul McCartney wasn't, Joe Satriani, he's rubbish. Well, exactly. Sometimes you just get people who are like, oh, well, that song is only, you know, it's the same chord sequence that people have used again and again and again for all time. It's like, well, yeah, but it's it's how they're using them. That's, yeah. That is songwriting. Yeah. That's what's important about it. And it's just, I find it impossible to think that you may, you'd have to have a heart, a heart of stone not to be seduced by that song. It's yeah. just fucking incredible. I and agree. In summation, you knew what we were going to say, and we've said it. <laughs> it's fucking great, this record. Unsurprisingly, um, another hole-in-one slam dunk, 45-yard screamer. Um, yeah, Baroness are just brilliant, aren't they? Yeah, I think I think it's, um, it's Baroness at their most unconstrained. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I'm like, like you, I, I actually... Um, you know, we were very, you know, we were very lucky to have got sent this um, some way before yeah. its release. So we've had quite a bit of time with it. Um, th- halfway through the first listen, I pre-ordered it. Yes. So it should be arriving at my doorstep as you listen to this. Yes. Um, I not knew... that I'll be there to pick it up because I'll be at download, but whatever. <laughs> I knew it. immediately that this was one of Baroness's best records, but like listening to it again and again and again and again, um, I'm really confident. It's it's my second favourite Baroness album. Oh, you're going to go straight in like that? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think it's a real, you know, I compared it to Physical Graffiti and Dark Side of the Moon and, and, and Francis the Mute. And I think in that, I think in what those records trying to try to do and the flow of them and the way that it is a whole piece that needs to be listened to as a whole. And the fact that they go to loads of different genres and take from loads of different influences. I named those three records purposefully, you know, um, it, it is fitting in with that lineage. Uh, I, you know, I personally prefer it to some of those records. Mm. Um, God, maybe all of them. That's mental, isn't it? Really, fuck me. I mean, that's that's my favourite Led Zeppelin album. Yeah, um, I, I, the Dark Side of the Moon. Don't even need to. Yeah, add anything to that. And my probably my favourite. Yeah, my favourite Mars Bar album as well. I mean, the fact I'm even thinking about it is stunning, isn't it? I'm like, not sure that where exactly I'd put this right now uh, in terms of my favourites. Because, you know, I've had the other two for a really, really long time. But what I will say is, it's at least as good as anything they've ever done. At oh, yeah. the very least, it sits comfortably um, shoulder to shoulder with the rest of their back catalogue. And they've got a pretty flawless back catalogue. Yeah. Five, know, I do it's think five the last, for five, isn't it? It's five for five. and I, But I do definitely think, you know, like... I remember hearing Red and being like, fucking, this is wicked. This is so wicked. Yeah, it's brilliant. I never listen to Red anymore. No, that's exactly. I exact- never, ever listened to that's Red anymore. It. And I remember when it first came out, I loved it. Yeah. I absolutely loved it when it came out. I was like so in love with it. And then when Blue came out, I was really like, oh, yes, new new Baroness. Oh, and, and then going, oh, this is great. 
I rarely, rarely listen to those two. If I put Baroness on, it's yellow and green or purple, and now, and now this. It's I just weird. Think they are a better band now. There's a certain type of fan. It was interesting watching them at Roadburn because they did a set where they they went chronologically through throughout their career. And people were loving stuff from the first couple of EPs and red and blue. And you could just see the room just sort of get quieter and filter out as it went on. And I think that is fucking stupid. I think that is completely moronic and wrong. And I I really do. In this case, I think that is wrong. Mm. Like, and... And I do think it goes back to that thing of like, oh, where are the riffs? And if you really, I fucking love riffs. I'm seeing Metallica next week and I'm going to have a fucking great time. But if you think riffs are the pinnacle of music and songwriting, you are sorely mistaken. Yeah, I agree. So anyway, um, Golden Grey is out right now and you should listen to it. So let's go on to our next record, which actually came out a week ago. We didn't have time to do it at the time. Uh, It comes from Dinosaur Pileup. The album is called Celebrity Mansions. It is a fourth album from the grunge rock trio who come from Leeds, I believe. Yes. They're from Leeds, aren't they? Um, so, Rimfree, now, Dinosaur Pileup. Um, the first thing I want to say before we talk about the album uh, is that it's out on Parlophone, a, a major label. A major label. Or a subsidiary of a major label. Um, Dinosaur Pileup are basically a kind of a grunge band. Um, mm. Odds, isn't it, to have, this feels like a kind of throwback to the days when bands like this would be released on a major label. Yeah, they've definitely done enormously well over a relatively short period of time. I think they've only been going sort of seven or eight years, maybe. It's a bit longer than that. Is it the first longer? album came out in 2010. Okay, okay. So, yeah, but, but yeah, so they've been going about 10 years and they've certainly, um, they've garnered a lot of good press and a lot of, uh, they've gotten a lot of good bills and a lot of, yeah, they, they, they've done very well in that time, undoubtedly. And it, and, and it doesn't feel like there was a big old hype about them. Four albums in for them to get signed to a, a major label and be released on a major label. Mm. That feels quite heartening to me. Like I say, when you look at the rest of the, the, the bill, uh, the, or the roster, I should say, that they're surrounded by on Parlophone Records, it's, there's not many bands or there's not many artists on there who are comparable at all to Dinosaur Pileup pretty cool i think it's uh, someone's at least it goes to show that you can somehow eventually some people do manage to still get and i don't even know being on the major label means anything anymore but they are it's certainly an unusual thing in 2019 and and there isn't anything that feels uh watered down about this particularly in the guitar tones and Mm -hmm. stuff i mean the guitar tone throughout is very blue album weezer Mm mm-hmm um the bands they're compared to most are Weezer and Foo Fighters, early Foo Fighters generally, and yeah. that is you know, relatively accurate in mm-hmm. terms of like what they're going for and all that yeah. sort of thing. I mean I'm not really that familiar with their back catalogue. I think their first album when uh when it came out um uh I listened to a little bit, um, which is a two thousand ten. I had a mate who really liked them. <clears throat> and then uh Nature Nurture came out in two thousand thirteen. I don't even remember listening to that, and then Eleven Eleven, which a lot of people said is really, really great, came out, and I was kind of not even aware of it, so I've not actually listened to that. But then, because I was like, "Oh yeah, Dinosaur Pile Up," and it seems like their profile has upped a little bit, I did think I'd give this a listen, and I was quite surprised that they were on a major label. So I gave it a listen, and 
Well, we had a conversation about it before. You didn't even really want to cover this because you were like, I'm not sure about this band. No. Shall I go into why? Yeah. I saw them support Weezer in at Brixton Academy at 2016, I think. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were fine. I thought they were fine. Mm. But I saw, but what was interesting was there were a lot of people around me who were really going quite mad for it. I was like, why? And you know, when you sort of see something and you see lots of people going mad for it and, but you're, you're, you don't quite get it. And it mm. kind of angers you and annoys you. They then played this song. Um, it's not called Nature Nurture, but it's almost certainly from the Nature Nurture album. And it has a chorus which um, goes, Nature, Nurture, Nature, Nurture. And it seemed to go on for about 30 minutes. I mean, mm. it would, it just went on and on and on. And I remember my friends that I was with at the time, we were just mocking this, like how ridiculous it was that people were really into this song, which was doing the same fucking thing over and over and over again. Won't was, you believe me? It's just my luck. No recess. That's, you know what? Do you know what? Song. It, 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 this, this was the thing. It was very much kind of like, wow, it's like the Nirvana thing. They're basically trying to be Nirvana. The the front word pants to try. Of and course, be. of course, there is. Um, it, but it didn't feel like to me. Certainly, it didn't feel like with the with anywhere near as much the kind of uh, melodical now. or you know, won't well, you believe it? It's just my luck. Is a better line than nature. Yeah. Nature. I mean, <laughs> um, it, anyone getting compared to nirvana no i know i know if we started comparing baroness to nirvana yeah yeah we'd still be going yeah i i i I get it i get it i know what you're saying but um um, and then and then after that that, their first album as well so i mean i i am really ignorant to whether or not they have improved in in the intervening years between that nature nurture from 2010 and 11 11 in 2000 I think after that Weezer show, it felt like that song followed me around for the entire summer because they seemed to be on every single fucking festival bill that I went to. That particular summer, I went to shit loads of festivals and I literally heard Nature Nurture just rolling over the hills of whatever fucking festival I was at and it just drove me fucking insane. So this this, it's almost like a weird personal vendetta type thing. Well, you can't... (laughs) So I will admit that before... What I can say is... If you're having a go at them for just saying two words in a monotone <laughs> word, they ain't fucking doing that on this album. Uh, less so, yeah. Well, then, they're well, not doing it on this <laughs> album. Not well, well, yeah. There's, Are there's they? Oh, there's less that little wrapped bit in in um, with the, the song Backfoot, which people was the first single. Yeah. I mean, there's no way you can kind of go, oh, he's just shouting like... No, I think, I think there's... I'm interested to know what you think about this, Renfrey. I think there are very... Um, okay, what do I think of this? I think there are very good songs on this record. Mm-hmm. I think there are times where they brilliantly... I'm going to take this Weezer um, comparison and, and just run with it. I think there are times when they very ably um, evoke Blue Album era Weezer and mm-hmm. do it very, very well. Um, for example, the title track and round the bend it's around the middle of the record actually i don't know what it is with so many records being released at the moment where the middle is really fucking good but it just seems to be happening quite a lot um there are also so and you know blue album weezer that is a massive fucking compliment yeah 
there are also moments where I feel like they um, sound like Ratitude era Weezer. There's loads of it, but do you know what? If Ratitude era Weezer could have written songs that were like this, I don't think we'd be slagging off Weezer. I think if they'd have made... I, I have no problem with the... Uh, the it's weird and it's funny and it's very idiosyncratic what Rivers has done on those albums. Yeah. Um, he just wrote a load of boring rubbish songs uh, and they were weird. I think this has got a purpose and I think the songs are comfortably better than anything on any of those albums, any of those Weezer albums that... Uh, which ones are you talking about i'm talking about every weezer album post the green album okay i disagree with that definitely i think this is like for what it's worth uh this is about on probably on par with maladroit i think maybe a little bit better i think it's comfortably better than make believe it is comfortably better than the red album although the red album is probably the closest thing to it in or the best one of them it is comfortably better than Ratitude. it is comfortably better than hurley it is comfortably better than whatever the next one with back to the everything, everything you ever want uh, everything will be all right in the end yeah everything will be all right in the end it's comfortably better than pacific daydream it is a light years ahead of the teal album and light years ahead of the black album and it is white album slightly better than the white album okay so for i think if you're judging it on Weezer's back catalogue, if Weezer had released this, it would be the best album they've done since the Green album. I disagree with Maladroit, um, uh, White yeah, Album, um, Everything Will Be Right in the End. Everything Will Be Right in the End. Yeah, it's a far better record than this, I think. Everything Will Be Right in the End is a great record. Um, it. What it is about it is they they do, they do very comfortably um, hark back to that era mm-hmm. uh, and they do it relatively well the you know how i was saying with Tellison and weezer and pixies and so on and so forth that there is a deceptive simplicity mm-hmm. to their songwriting and their songs there's nothing deceptive about dinosaur pile up it is just a simplicity there's yeah. like in terms of the actual songwriting there is n- if you, you listen to this album three times and it's revealed all of its secrets to you. Whereas if you listen to, I, I know I'm going to go to the best Weezer record now, but Pinkerton, it's revealing stuff to you 10 years down the line, you know. Now, there's nothing would, in and no, there's I nothing would say wrong that about the color and the shape. I wouldn't about the color and the shape. Um, I, would, I would about the first Foo Fighters record. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, what I was about to say, there's, there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But it just feels to me that making those kind of comparisons is the reason why it's not of that quality, in my opinion. And I feel like that this is a record which is going to be a great soundtrack to a summer. But I wonder if it'd be a great soundtrack that lasts much beyond that. Because I think, I think that there's not an awful lot to these songs and i think i think within a few months it'd be quite easy to get bored of them 
And to be honest, that is something that neither of us know at this point. And I might come back with my tail between my legs in a few months' time and go, you know what, I'm still listening to that Dinosaur Parlour album. A lot of people said this to me about the Don Broker album that I put at number three in my album for a year. Yeah, this you were one of the me. few people to do that, I think. Yeah, I was. And that's <laughs> fine. But then, you know, I like pop music and I don't yeah. mind simplistic music uh, if it is unbelievably joyous and brilliant and idiosyncratic and fun and funny and it's weird that people think that i hate fun or whatever <laughs> because i think this is absolutely brilliant it reminds me of 1977 by ash it reminds me of the blue album it reminds me of freak show by Silverchair. i mean professional mm. freak is freak by Silverchair. professional freak is one of the worst songs on this album i think don't like Silverchair. I love Silverchair. Mm, I fucking on. love Silverchair. Um, I think it's, I mean, it's partly down to... It's basically right. the same song. It is Freak by Silverchair. I think there are many things that the uh, vocalist and guitarist do which just irks me. Um, there are many lyrics on this album which just make me roll my eyes. Like what? Um, like, I think it's, I watch what I eat whenever I can. I keep what I watch when I'm in Japan kind of thing it's just it's just nonsensical bollocks i think he says i that i think that i'm not sure that's the actual lyrics i think i think it's uh i watch what i eat when i'm in japan i think that is i think he's saying i you know i don't eat dodgy seafood when i'm in japan i think that's what you know i think that's i still what think that it's lyric. fucking nonsense i think it's well, fucking shite maybe i mean it's probably meant to be um a it's, nice little rhyming couplet about different cuisines that it's put something that popped into his head if you listen to the song exploder with with rivers from weezer yeah who i think yeah, you know, yeah, for yeah. all his faults we will say rivers at his best is, is a genius, a genius or yeah. someone has been touched by genius he will write down oh that's pork and beans sound good and he'll put it on a big wall and there's a big wall of stuff and just words and he'll be sitting there writing a song and he'll go that one and that one i'm not saying and, i know what you're about to say i'm not saying it needs to mean anything mm. but Rivers comes up with interesting phrases and interesting things which actually sound good. I think a lot of the stuff on this, it's like it sounds like he went, oh, fuck, I need to come up with some lyrics. Uh, I'll write this. You know, which, funnily enough, I mean, that's exactly what Kurt Cobain did. Yeah. You know, um, but that's I don't think Kurt Cobain's a great lyricist either. <laughs> you know. No, the... but, Kurt, but Kurt Cobain's music is, I mean, again, no one's coming out of being compared to Nirvana by well, yeah, looking yeah, yeah. good. But... Kurt Cobain's not the greatest lyricist, but it doesn't matter because the songs are great. Like they are, they are a different type of band. I think. Yeah. First Foo yeah. Fighters album, like I said, 1977 by Ash. 1977 by Ash has got loads of terrible kind of lyrics in it, and I'm not a massive fan of 1977 by Ash. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think this is a big problem uh, <laughs> for you. <laughs> That's a big problem. Um, I just think literally every song on this record makes me smile. And makes me go. That's that's just like a fun, funny thing. Okay. In the same way as I don't know, li like listening to Five. I still <laughs> want to listen to Five. I still want to listen to Five. Twenty four, you know, twenty five, twenty odd years after yeah, they they yeah. formed, I still want to listen to those songs because they're fucking great. I'm never going to not want. I, so I saw them live the other day. And, yes. Uh, presumably. Um, they're pretty happy with the album themselves because of the 10 songs they played, I think six or seven were from this record. Right. I think it was seven. That so they played sense. the majority of this album. It might just be because of um, 
the fact that it was a kind of album release show. But, and to be fair, it's a very it's a very immediate record. Yeah, the, these songs the, these songs undoubtedly will be in your head probably after the first time it's, you've heard them. The first time you hear the chorus, you're singing it the second time. Yeah, I would and agree I, with that. You know, actually, like for the, the most part, and for for what this does, I mean, it, it's it's just it's brilliantly simplistic. Yeah, it sounds it's so brilliantly evocative of loads and loads of great things from the 90s. It sounds like the first Foo Fighters album. It sounds like the Blue album by Weezer. It, it sounds like some of the dodgy, weird shit. Like my mate actually said to me, Backfoot is basically fucking Pretty Fly for a White Guy. And I and he meant it, didn't I? Mm. I hate that song. It's mm. Pretty Fly for a White I'm Guy. I'm with your friend. And I'm like, who gives Pretty Fly for a White Guy? Fucking. I mean, I, if you don't want to listen, to, like I actually, know. I actually like Pretty Fly exactly. for a White Guy much, but 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 I th- I think Backfoot is embarrassing in in the same way that the stuff on Ratitude that's embarrassing is embarrassing. Oh no, I think, I think it's, it's bad. Do you? I think mm. it's fucking wicked. I listen to that it makes 10 me times. cringe. That that's that's the thing. There are things on. I I would like actually actually like to make it clear that when this album is good, I do actually think it's fucking great when it's good and i think there are a good four songs probably around half of it is fucking fantastic but there are also bits where it just makes me go oh god and this is what i mean by this sometimes it's blue album sometimes it's ratitude yeah but and and those things obviously don't irk you as much as they irk me but you know I, I just have to say how I feel, don't I? Yeah, really, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think like so they ended with Backfoot did uh, they? on um, <laughs> they they ended with thrash metal cassette into Backfoot. So the kind of one two opening of this album was how they cho- both they... songs, which really annoy me. Really, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think it starts so great, like it's so silly. It's just a I, stupid. <sighs> and if you've seen the video for Black for, for Blackfoot for Backfoot, where I've not, no. uh, where one of them is dressed up as the rock Dwayne Johnson right um you know they're clearly have they're not taking this no 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 it's fun any yeah, way yeah, at yeah. All. it's fun and you know like I say five is fun fucking Don Broco is fun and this is fun and it's fun sounding like those kind of modern Weezer records because actually like my mate texted me and was like Dinosaur Pilot have made a modern Weezer record and I went, oh no. And then I listened to it and I was like, actually, because there are a couple of songs on Ratitude that even when it's like, I'm a gangster and all that, I do kind of go, sure, Rivers. Um, <laughs> yeah? Uh, I suppose maybe you are. I don't know. There are. Uh, there's, there's one or two good songs. There's, there's a good song on every single Weezer album, yeah. I would wager. And, you know, it's it, it's just funny to to hear, you know, like, like I say, but I think Backfoot is, it is a bit like, Ratatouille and Weezer. It is a bit like Pretty Fly for a White Guy. It's it basically is, it's white guy rapping. Yeah, it's it's stupid. It is stupid. It's yeah. really stupid. Yeah. But it is. I can't. I can't hate it because it's just. No, fair. It's fucking so much fun, and I think this album's brilliant. Fair. I think I this d- album's fuck. I think literally all ten tracks on this record. I want to listen to as soon as one of them finishes. I want to listen back to it for for the record as well I, I i do actually think that a lot of people will agree with you um and there'll be a lot of people who listen to Backfoot and go yeah but it's just it's just fun isn't it but mm. like these things you you know it's it's actually exactly the same thing that limp biscuit have in terms of and i'm not you know neither of us are big limp biscuit fans i'm not well, trying actually to, you know i do like limp biscuit well i I like I I understand their appeal because of the fun aspect. Mm. Well, and I, I actually do like Limp Bizkit and I oh, do right, listen okay. to them. Yeah. Okay, 
But, Sorry, everyone. <laughs> but it is, it is, it is. But it's. Do you, you understand what I mean by it? it's yeah, the same of thing? Of course. In that, like, you will either have the constitution for it and be fine with it and get on board with it, mm. or you won't. And for half of these songs, I do get mm. on board, and for half of them, I don't. And I think overall, it's an okay record. I don't think there's anything as obnoxious as what Fred Durst does. On, Agre- on, no, that's on true. This record. That's true. But there's also nothing as ingenious as what Wes Borland does. So it's a quite a funny. So because yeah. actually, Limp yeah. Biscuit, you know, I wouldn't say it's a bad comparison because I understand what you're saying. Yeah, but yeah, actually, yeah. Limp Biscuit are deceptively good musicians, particularly Wes, and they've got a very, very Mainly good... Mainly Wes. <laughs> yeah, but they've got a very good rhythm section as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their ba- um, who's their bassist? Their bassist is brilliant. Sam Rivers. Sam Rivers, Although he's fantastic. Got, I think they've got a new bassist. Right. Um, they've still got... Gerardo! Um, who get... Take people to the Matthews Bridge. Yeah, yeah, bit, yeah. yeah. He's, he's fine. This, I, I just, you know... For summer, I know I fucking feel like summer out. Yeah, moment, yeah, yeah. But they were great. The other day, they were great. And the, the songs of this album got the biggest reactions. And stuff like Backfoot and, as you say, Round the Bend, Pouring Gasoline, like those got massive reactions. And there are a few of the kind of old school fans that when 11 11 got played, people were like, yeah, this is, no, this is what they really should be doing. This is what they really should Oh, really? Like. But I That'd actually, so I think it actually will be quite divisive to their previous fan base because, I mean, again, I don't really know because I've not listened to much Dinosaur Pilot, but I never expected this. Right, I okay. think that's why I like it, to be okay. honest, because what I heard before, I was just like, yeah, they kind of sound like a grunge band. I will say, after my almost vague and I'll, I will hold my hands up and say pretty stupid personal vendetta with them with the whole nature nurture thing. I liked this album more than I expected to. Um, but, but yeah, like I say, half of it I think is great, like proper brilliant. And mm. half of it, I think just, it just grates on me. I don't know. I just, I love that <laughs> when you're sticking in, like I'm going for lunch with Jay-Z at the K West, all that stuff. I'm like, yeah okay yeah and they're taking the piss yeah it's silly and they're taking the piss i don't think you look at fred durst and you go i think he thinks he actually is (laughs) i think he does think it is his way or the highway yeah uh whereas i don't get the feeling that dinosaur pile up actually think you know they're these massive rock stars it's tongue-in-cheek yeah and it's you know it's it's a it's a fantasy it's a lot you know black limousines and you know mm. i'm gonna be a rock star and all this stuff like i, I miss the i like i like it's an odd thing to mix the bravado of kind of what was hip-hop gangster rap yeah, hip-hop yeah, yeah. and like 90s grunge uh, yes yes it is i i think although weezer debatably have been doing it for a while oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah um i think you know we talk about like how um great bands bring in loads of different influences from loads of different places mm. we keep talking about weezer and foo fighters with this band well i i mean i would add ash in as i said Fine. before i would uh and I've, I've also mentioned Silverchair. i think that's uh inescapable i will give you i mean i would say i would say 30 percent weezer 30 percent early foos and then like 10 10 that's 80 40 40 10 10 you know there's the odd touch of placebo in there oh, as well. I think you're clutching at straws, but fair. The last track, I think, has got a kind of, it's got a glam, it's got a bit of a kind of. But glam you're, but you're also, you're it. also naming influences that are all relatively similar to one another. Of course they are, but they're yeah. a fucking. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, they're a, they're a rock band. Yeah, but I, they're I, a but, rock. They're a, a '90s exactly. Rock band. They're a rock band. They're fine. They're, 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 they're pretty good. When, when 
they they do have a way with a melody sometimes, which mm. where they release um, amazing songs sometimes. It's but, at this point, listeners, that I will remind you that Renfrey doesn't really like ACDC. <laughs> and move on. Um, so anyway, Dinosaur Pileups Celebrity Mansions is out now. I think it's really, 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 really great. Like just the most amount of fun, brilliant album since since. Um, uh, Don Broco mixed technology mixed uh, Duran Duran with Emo it's going to be in your top 20 isn't it it's going to be in my top oh. 5 probably I would no, say come on Steve until unless unless bloody unless Bewitched release a new album <laughs> unless I get a good old school fix of pop I need at least one old school fix of pop bangers yeah. once a year I need it. I, need, I, I have to have it. Unless I'm, you know, unless we get a new album from the Pet Shop Boys. I think you are a, I think it is possible to do pop um, where you love it on the first listen, but um, there's more intricacies than you realise later on. And I think a yeah, lot of is. the influences that we've named do that really well. Yeah. And Dinosaur Pile Up don't. Yeah, there is. But there's also bands where you hear it the first time and you go, I want to sit forever. With the amount of stuff we review, mm. a lot of it goes into sort of landfill. You never understand. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it goes into, well, maybe I might go back and listen to that one day if I go, oh, didn't I listen? And then some stuff is like, there you go. You're in with my, all of my Manix albums and my U2 albums and my Tool albums and my fucking um, Faith No More albums and my Night Snails albums and Dinosaur Pile Up. This album is going in there. Well, how about this? I was going to take this album off my MP3 player. Mm-hmm. this week but i promise you i will keep it on and i promise I'm you i'm getting sent the vinyl <laughs> i am i promise you Thanks i will Tom. uh attempt to listen to it like at least once a week or something like that and maybe you don't need to listen to it once a week you know what it sounds like well exactly well, it, it revealed like it, everything then... itself yeah <laughs> you say i cannot believe you uh, you uh, people say that i'm the one who hates fun <laughs> I like fun. You don't. We do. Your idea of fun is standing in the dark room while three men, one, somebody plays the bongos and one man plays a violin and the other man hits some drums and someone plays a really long, like one bass note for for 17 minutes and you go, hmm, (laughs) this is so much fun. That's your idea of fun. Stroking your chin. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's true to be honest. That sounds quite tedious, but I I need something like this to yeah. break up. No, the, fair, 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 fair. To yeah. you know, like I still been. I've been listening to that. Her name is Color album loads. Yeah. yeah. I've been on a right old. I went on a mad old binge listening. You know, I bought um, I bought basically bought the entire Talk Talk Back catalogue recently yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on vinyl. I listened to Spirit of Eden again the other day. I sat there like completely transfixed by it. Great. But sometimes you just want to put something on and go, yeah. 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 No, I d- I definitely agree. Mm. I, all of the influences that you talked about, I I love those bands. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but oh, they've got more to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Don't want more to it. I don't need more to it. Uh, Dinosaur pile up is out now. Let's move on to uh, again. Well, you've spoiled this already. This one, uh, the Saint Pierre Snake Invasion in Renfrey last week. Was it last week? 
Well, I might have cut it out, but go on. Well, you just went, oh, it's fucking brilliant. You just went and did a big old spoiler about how great this album was. Well, I did vaguely because I'm very, very keen to let people know about this amazing record, which may well go by the wayside because it seems like a lot of rock media isn't particularly interested in pushing big, uh, uh, not big, sorry. A lot of rock media isn't particularly interested in pushing amazing new bands these days. Well, let's do that then, shall we? Um, It's called Caprice Enchante. Is that right? Sure. I think it is. Um, <laughs> I think anyway, that's good to It's guess. the second album from the UK Punks. It's been five... Bristol, mate. Fucking Bristol! Oh, Bristol, Brizzle. Oh, cut that. Right, carry cut, on. Cut that out. <laughs> I'm cutting it. Cut yeah. that out, but leave me telling you to cut it out in. <laughs> so, yeah, Caprice Enchante, uh, whenever it was recorded... Um, I was recorded in 2017. Yeah, great. Thanks. And it's out now. Um, So yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Renfrey. Uh, I listened to the first St. Pierre Snake Invasion album. I think Jamie Lenman made me listen to it. He did indeed. And he was very keen on it. And I listened to it. I thought, this is really good. This, this is really good. Tellingly, I haven't been back to it for a some months that kind of sums up the first record to me mm. you listen to it and it's like yeah it's cool it's quite you know it's amusing <laughs> uh but then you don't really go back to it yeah that is not going to be the case with this record i don't think it is no i can't i can't imagine that that will be the case um this is a really good album really really good and uh loads of mccluskey vibes on it mm-hmm. um I mean, that bass part, There's a, the second track is called, <laughs> called Room Mystery. And the yep. bass part on that is mm-hmm. just fucking mental. Played by the current bassist of Black Peaks. Is it? Yes. Dave, Dave Larkin. Dave Larkin, uh, when this album was recorded as well, used to be in St. Pierre. And then he got the gig with Black Peaks. But yes. Well, I can see why. <laughs> yeah, the bass on this record is fucking amazing. The bass on this record is completely brilliant. And yeah. they... Do you know what most impressed me about this record? And I'm sure you're about to wang on about how great it is. <laughs> oh, yes, um, I am. Is that they're essentially kind of a hardcore stroke, post-hardcore band. Yep. They sit in that McCluskey, I think we said Shellac, Fugazi, yep. that kind of realm. I think there's almost a little bit of Every Time I Die, particularly yes. in the first couple of albums. Yeah, that's a great that show, done. I think there's a bit of Every Time I Die stuff in there as well. Um, but definitely that kind of, post that artsy post hardcore sounding thing yep uh they've definitely definitely got that now a lot of people will go uh that means it's going to be really noisy and just a clattery technical really difficult you know sort of mush that i'm going to struggle to be able to compartmentalize into parts and blah 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 blah. but when you get a song like casanova kane or the idiot's guide to music they sugar their pill incredibly well yes those are some seriously fucking catchy songs it's um i think uh damien's way around a hook is pretty fucking impressive yeah um so they are a really anarchic chaotic hardcore band who go into i i cut this from uh last week but i i mentioned this album in the same breath as the shape of punk to come you did um and i cut it because you were like don't spunk it yeah you were correct you were correct no 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 now the reason why i said that is because uh i'm not saying this album is as good as the shape of punk to come i don't think you could i don't think you can compare an album you've had for fucking 20 odd years to an album you've had for a few months 
The reason why I evoke Shape of Punk to come is because it has that same sense of playfulness in that, you know, it's a hardcore bit and then it goes into a jazz bit and then it goes into this bit, you know. With this album, you've got all these songs which you have like a verse, a hardcore verse or something, and then an opera singer will come in and sing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Or then you've got this... The, the bluesy kind of chain, kind of chain gang... The, yeah, uh, I don't off the top of my head remember what that song is uh, called. Is it all those lo- lonely as the night or something like that? Um, oh, it made it made a, a lovely light. It's called yeah, yeah. Okay, and that is an a cappella <coughs> song that sounds beautiful. Like it sounds yep. really, really, really lovely. And if some sort of hipster indie band did that, yeah the fucking broadsheets would be fawning all over them. Yeah. And people go, ah, oh, this music, it's just anger and it's just noise and it's just blah, blah, blah. And it is that, like this album is Some that. Some of it is, yeah. But they're clearly really, really exceptionally talented at being able to do a great manner of stuff. So I understand what you're saying regarding the comparison between this and the show yeah. Punk to Come. Like, yeah. I absolutely understand yeah. it. I think... You know, that's why uh, I evoked it. I wasn't yeah. saying it's as I good. think I don't yeah, I mean I I you know, I think evoke it is fine. I'm not whether it's as good or not. I mean, you know, it's like you say, neither here nor there at the moment. There. Yeah. But um I'm not quite sure that it's as groundbreaking as you know, because it didn't It's come not out going to be. It's ago. not yeah. going to be, yeah. But um but certainly in terms of what they can actually do as a band, mm-hmm. they are so much more accomplished as musicians in all manner of genres than the majority of just bog standard hardcore bands in this scene do you know very very impressive do you know what i think i've just this has just come to me but what i would say is why it may not be as good or or as groundbreaking i think it's as impressive as the shape of punk to come in its songwriting and in the manner in that it goes into all those genres (laughs) and gives you hooks as well um like i mean for example Damien has this amazing way of like sometimes he's screaming at you sometimes he's singing at you sometimes he's whispering uh sometimes he's just speaking like singing in a very low register there's mm. the point on re-mystery which is the song you mentioned with the bass whereas there was a child yeah that bit's really weird there was a, you know it's brilliant it's just that's, that's incredible like five minutes into the record and you oh like, yeah fucking hell, i've heard a lot of five minutes it does just when i press play on it i have to say i did go okay well this better be good because it just does just go like ah yeah yeah to begin with it does yeah Yeah. to begin with it just it literally just goes yeah 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 to begin with it starts with this really weird odd time signature i i have no idea what time signature is in riff which just seems it seems to be bouncing like one of those rubber bouncing balls almost Mm -hmm. like in between like two surfaces it's bonkers um i mean i think they kind of brilliantly mold like jamie lenman's genius and melodicism with the chariot sense of fun and lunacy and adventure and adventure and danger plus the humor of mccluskey mm. and that's a fucking great shout if you th- and if you i've played this album a lot and i've thought about it a lot <laughs> and if you if you have if you know those three bands and you're not excited by that combination um get out listen to something else uh because like i mean that's it, it it just works so brilliantly and i think you know damien's got this great way of making you 
remember parts of the songs i think also in remystery there's this brilliant chorus which is i've been knocking on the wrong doors and picking at the wrong scabs i've been sucking all the wrong dicks trying to keep myself afloat yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like i do like that was a line that really did stick out yeah and often you hear people in uh hardcore bands talking about sucking the incorrect genitalia <laughs> yeah, of other men. exactly but then you know on the other end of the record because i think this album is head to toe phenomenal i don't think there's a weak moment on it at all um you know pierre brazer which is track 12 of a 13 track record has this amazing roll over beethoven kind of mm. hook as well it's all over it and and the record doesn't let up in terms there there are some records where they're really they're really like stuff full at the front and they've got really weird awesome creative ideas and then there's a couple of tracks on the back and this isn't one of those albums it's brilliant throughout um carola deering it might be my favorite song um i think it's an absolute masterpiece it starts with a very abrasive heavy but still quite catchy um verse and a little bit more melodic chorus and then a record scratches part of the way through in this weird sort of palm muted thing comes in and there's some like very chilled like singing sort of thing and then the full band come in the band come in full tilt doing that same riff but much much heavier which sounds really elastic and goes all over the place damien starts screaming over and over and over good night sweetheart then this opera these opera singers come in for a bit and it sounds absolutely glorious and massive and then the track ends with the band seemingly trying to kick the shit out of their instruments or set them on fire really or something this is a song which is three minutes and 56 seconds yep. by the way they get through a hell of a lot and i want to say as well like with regard, i was going to bring that song because i think it's about time that someone in the sort of underground the, or the punk scene somewhere in the world wrote a song inspired by um nicholas linda's finest work <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah. so you know, um, it is about good night sweetheart it is, is about damien's love for good night sweetheart yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, i thought it was that's that's what i got from it i think that's the best art is something where <laughs> you don't necessarily uh have to know exactly what it's about but you can put your own stamp on it and certainly i did go away from that going yeah good night sweetheart was a great show but then there's also <laughs> there's also a song like the idiot's guide to music yeah which, which is, isn't even it's definitely not a hardcore song no like i would the whole, say that is uh, that is almost bordering on power pop i think it is sounds like my bloody valentine covering country house by blur at half the tempo mm. <laughs> which people will listen to and go huh and then if you hear it you'll be like oh yeah i can kind of see that yeah um you know and again talking about like bands taking from loads of different influences and stuff there's loads of that on here it takes from fucking everything but it sounds like this album the way that we're describing it that it's really chaotic and on a knife edge all the time and like it sounds like it's going to collapse at any moment and yeah it does actually but for me that's all the most exciting music you know, it's music that does sound analog and music music that does sound like it was played live in a room and does sound like it was it's going to it could all fall down at any point. I think Glassjaw 
always did that really well. The Chariot did it really well. Yeah. Everything Josh Scoggin puts his name to. Yeah. He was really good with that. Mm. And it has that sense to it. And um, I mean, for me, you said that this is a very, very, very good album. Yeah, really great, I think. I am going to put my neck on the line here and say that I this is a classic hardcore album. I'm actually pretty damn certain of it. Um, I And I think it will be revered as such, hopefully one day if enough people discover it and enough people push it this is a very small band at the moment as i'm talking they have about three thousand likes on facebook i expect that to go up a lot i i would hope provided this gets to the right ears and stuff but to me this sounds you know it's up there I, 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 I when you think, say a classic hardcore album, I mean, what are you saying? Damaged by Black Flag, that kind of thing? I'm more Shape talking kind of. I'm more talking Jango. Shape of Punk to Come, Worship and Tribute. I think it's more that kind of post hardcore kind of yeah, thing. Okay. Um, maybe I'd even put. Um, oh, what's the Chariot record? Uh, Long Live Chariot mm-hmm. in there. Um, it reminds me of all of those records in that it definitely takes influence from them, but it still feels like it's doing its own thing. Um, I mean, I would. Th- this album is going to be in my top 20, undoubtedly. I'd be fairly surprised if it's not in my top 10. I'd be pretty surprised if it's not in my top five. Um, okay. I'm going to stop short of that because I've promised these things to bands in the past and I don't want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I would... I, I, think this is one of certainly the most one of the most inventive and one of the most jaw-dropping records of the year certainly in terms of really heavy heavy stuff um i i i i just think it i think it's absolutely amazing i don't think i'm going to stop listening to this album in five six seven eight years time which is why i think it's a classic okay wow um it kind of reminds do you remember that james cleaver quintet that first album yeah yeah, yeah. that's an album that deserves classic status and didn't get it because you know it it didn't really reach enough people but i think i think i suspect this is what like sorry to come in with the Mm. (laughs) what i would say is a reality check i mean if braille by palm reader uh yeah kind of crossing over I can't see this crossover. Well, I don't... In the nicest possible way. Because for what it's worth, if we were to do our top 20 of the year now, this would be in it for me. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It's really great. Uh, In fact, there is three... Yeah, I I would say the three albums that we've just reviewed have kind of... will have settled themselves comfortably into my top 20. I would be pretty shocked if all three of the albums we've just spoken about... Mm. Um, haven't made it into don't make it into my top 20 to come the end of the year I'd be very very surprised very surprised um, uh, because yeah at the moment they'd probably all make the top 10 to be fair um, but uh, I, in terms of how many people will hear this and how many people are going to listen to it uh, this is for a very finite amount of people surely i would argue that just because an album doesn't receive classic status in a kind of wider scope doesn't mean it i know i'm not isn't. talking about it being a classic status i mean you said like you know surely when lots of people hear it and they feel like i don't think that'll happen what when you talk about the james cleaver quintet i imagine most people listening don't even know who that band are yeah and that yeah, doesn't yeah. mean that it's not a great record i mean god i've yeah. listened to that for fucking ages but um but you know 
no one knows who they are, but they all know Mama Zets are, and they basically came out at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but who was the weirder band out of those two? Probably the James Cleaver Quintet. Oh, yeah, definitely. Certainly, you know, quality and, uh, you know, commercial reach, as we've already spoken about regarding um, Baroness. They mean literally have nothing to do with one another, unfortunately. But yeah, this album is really, really good. And I just want to say, I thought the last track was oh, yeah. a fucking, is brilliant. I'm a Lonely Tourist. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant, and a, a surprise. I didn't expect the album to end like that. Nope. But there's a lot of things in this album that I didn't expect. Exactly. There's a, a lot, lot of surprises of on it. Yeah. A lot, a lot of things. So it's called Caprice Enchante, I think, and it's not out this week. It's out next week. But we wanted to get it in early because I think we both think it's worth it. I mean, obviously Renfrey really does, and you know, just because I'm not going quite as Bulu as Renfrey I still do think this album is really really fucking good so we should probably sure say as well that I've had it quite a bit longer than yeah. you have haven't you yeah, so you have, yeah. so um maybe that Come. might have something to do with that I don't know yeah I'm that I'm, I'm definitely going to continue like this again that goes into the this goes into the I will listen to you a lot pile for sure. Um, also out next week, and we're going to talk about it right now um, because, again, it's probably worth talking about, uh, is the next album which comes from Bukasa. Sorry, Bokasa. Bokasa. The album is called Crimson Riders. It is the second album from the riff-loving Norwegian punks who are currently out on tour with Metallica. I know. Bunkers. Fucking hell. Friends in high places, Renfrew. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, Lars Ulrich famously played them uh, on his radio show when they were a very, very little-known band. It's electric. It's, ele- yeah, it's electric. Uh, I was about to do a Lars Ulrich impression, and it started in, straight away to turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger. So <laughs> let's not do that. Um, um, yeah, it's Lars Ulrich proclaimed them to be his favourite new band uh, wow. when he did that. So, yeah. yeah. What did you think of their first record? I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was quite good as well. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was pretty I good. It was quite good. Um, uh, and this is the follow-up uh, album. Uh, They're Iowa, if you like. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, I, I think the thing with um, with Bocasa is that their first album was perfectly fine at yeah. doing something that a lot of Norwegian punk rock bands do yeah it was um taking big doses of riffs and sort of heavy metal and doing it in a a punky way yeah it was they, nothing, they, they, they they refer to themselves as stoner punks actually and i think that's a good yeah it's a good i think that works yeah, yeah. yeah um you know but to me i listened to it and i thought well there's a lot of bands from scandinavia doing a very similar thing yeah you're just another one of them so you could say cabal attack maybe Cavell or attack, um, certainly the blood first command. Blood, yeah blood command and blood uh, what they called blood aus nought uh-huh yeah uh, we're another one and oh my god there's a whole there's a whole there's bunch a, of yeah there's, there's a, a big old scene oh very good um, but, yeah. man the machetes were another one if you remember them Oh, I don't remember them. Um, they actually were a bit more kind of classic hardcore than I think what uh, those bands you mentioned were doing before. But essentially, there's there's a style of production to those yeah. type of bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely something about those bands where the records, even if the music... Because actually, to be honest, Bocasa, Cavell Attack, um, Blood Command and Man the Machetes, musically, are all very different. Yes. Kind of fairly different. Fairly different. Um, yeah, fairly yeah. different rather than very different. But they kind of ended up sounding 
similar due to the manner in which they were produced certainly on their earlier releases I everything's pushed up very high everything's mm. pushed up to like in the red almost yeah. you know and i think that's what makes um crimson riders a better record than oh, okay. the first record is that to me uh this is way more metal ah. this sounds more like a metal record uh than the previous one which i thought sounded more like a kind of like a punk rock record i think this actually kind of pushes those riffs um, a little bit further forward and makes them uh, and kind of sharpens everything up to make it sound like they they are more it's still kind of bouncing it's got a kind of punk rock energy to it but i do think this is much more of a you could say you, it makes sense that they're opening for metallica more on this record the riffs are the thing aren't they like they yeah. are they are mighty good with a riff good riffs, um, yeah. they have some very very good riffs um you know charmed and extremely treacherous uh, which is the first song proper mm-hmm. um on this album contains loads of great riffs actually and a really great like psychedelic bridge thing and they mm-hmm. put them together very well you know in the manner that metallica used to do yeah, they um, do, yeah. you know um there's a great drift drift this like breakdown part on mouth breathers as well mouth breathers inc is a really really good song yeah i think yeah. and um they're fun as well aren't they it's not like metallica in the sense that like they they film, you know, well, sort of early Metallica anyway. When, when we, you know, because when you were saying like, like Metallica used to, I'm presuming we're talking sort of first four Master albums. of Puppets, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Master of Puppets. Well, Master of Puppets is a dark, you yeah. know, sort yeah. of a savage record, whereas this feels like uh, a charge, a romp. It's, they use they use lots of like woes and ahs in a like yeah. really effective manner. Saxophone appears. Yeah, on this yeah. There, as there well. are some really nice little touches actually. Yeah, that's cool. That on bit. it, um, there's some yeah nice saxophone. Uh, uh, there's some a violin bit on uh, Crimson Riders, the mm-hmm. the title track. Um, there's a blast beat part uh, which comes in during immortal space pirate 2 i think it was maybe um which which is really unexpected and things like that there's some nice little i mean oh yes that's the last song isn't it because that's quite i mean that's an epic (laughs) yeah that like not anywhere near i mean i'm only comparing them because we literally were just talking to them talking about them but not not to the extent of the saint pierre record or anything like that but there are some nice little touches and these things come in and like break things up a little bit mm. and um they're, and they're quite funny as well yeah again like yeah, yeah you know a bit like i was saying with dinosaur pile up it's probably not that quite that level but there's a song called captain cold one which kind of references a lot of like drinking energy drinks and um fucking listening to to trivium and nickelback and yeah it's kind of like bro core yeah I yeah yeah that's what they call it which is quite an amusing uh, <laughs> uh quite a, quite an amusing song yeah and it's a good song as well it's like a really again a very very catchy kind of um i'm gonna stop short short of saying novelty song yeah because i didn't say that for dinosaur pileup so i shouldn't really say it for yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know what i'm saying i, I don't think it's novelty uh, yeah i i get mm. what you're saying i mm. i think um yeah it, it's it's a decent record i feel like um it's very short it is isn't it? it's only eight tracks and it, it's it's nine tracks eight it's nine songs tracks, but eight songs yeah um it's about 27 minutes long mm. um and the thing that i found slightly well not worrying but the the thing the criticism that i have of it is after 27 minutes 
I felt totally sated. I was like, yeah, I don't need any more of that now. Mm. And I suppose you could argue that that's a good thing. Mm. Um, but I was kind of surprised that a record so slight and it's not, we're not talking about like a CU Space Cowboy or a, or a Dillinger-esque thing or something like that where it needs to be short because there's so much stuff going on. Yeah. This isn't a record like that. It's just very, very short. And with it being 27 minutes, I was like, yeah, I don't need to lis- listen to this anymore. I'm kind of fine with it. In fact, the first time I listened to it, um, I the first time I looked at the play count like how far it had gone through the first time i got a little bit bored was probably around 25 40 so in that sense it's like perfectly paced yeah, well obviously you know i i actually would say that that's kind of a um that's a positive then, you could it? you could see it as a positive because but I, they're obviously they if if that if this is all the material that they had that they thought was worth putting on yeah yeah yeah, just yeah. Put, you know like, oh we should make it 40 minutes like, yeah fuck that you'd rather just have 27 minutes of what is great stuff and i mean if this is the i mean I think what you're about to say is basically like it's good if this is the very best of it and they only had this as you know if, if there's nothing better than this yeah it probably shouldn't have gone on the record yeah uh, definitely I, mm. I would say that and I'd also say that I think I was getting to that bored place because not bored but kind of like oh I'm happy for this to be done now place because whilst they do chuck in little bits here and there they don't do all that much to the overall kind of sonic variance of the sound. It is relatively samey. What this is, is what we were earlier talking about with Baroness, which is that riffs are not the be-all and end-all of making a good band. Exactly. There are some fucking brilliant riffs on this record. Yeah. There are some really cool woos and wayas. Yeah. There are some really great parts. Um, yeah. But... It's funny to kind of have it in this week when we said that about Baroness and also to have Dinosaur Pile Up where sometimes I didn't feel like they were that instant, you know. So those songs, although they have great riffs on them, the songs aren't always necessarily really instant, but they're also not necessarily great songs that have anything more to them than what you hear straight away. I agree totally. Um, I think there are more great riffs on this album than there are great songs. I would yeah, say. I think that's I mean, fair. I guess that's an obvious thing to say because there's more riffs in songs than but more riffs in but, general, but you know, it feels like there's a lot of parts where I'm like, oh yeah, that is a really good part, but there's only a few songs as a whole that I'd go, that's a really great song. It's funny because having been like well, me particularly having been very, very, very complimentary about all three of the albums uh that we've just reviewed, I think you could literally take all three of those albums to put up against this and go, you need to do that a bit better. You need to do that a bit better. And you need to do that a bit better. And then you could be a much, they would be a much better band. I think this is good. I think, I think most weeks we bring it in and go, oh yeah, good this. And I, you know, yeah. I like. It, it has, I will say it has come <clears throat> during a tough week. Yeah, rough for them. Yeah. Um, and, um, and it's certainly, I think it's better than the last record. Especially when, you know, we yes. had that Danger Face album that, that we yes. reviewed earlier in the year. And that is, I mean, when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's what Bocasa really want to be. Yes. But to be fair to Bocasa, and I thought, well, we're going to struggle. Like when we've heard that Danger Face album and they're from the same scene and they do yes. a fairly similar thing or they did do a fairly similar thing. At least this sounds different to that. Yes. You know, it doesn't feel like they're trying to do that this time around. So, you know. Um, I do think that Danger Face album is much better than this thing, to be honest. Yeah, I- 
I do too. Yeah. But this is good, you know, like there's a few really like cool bits on it. There's some fucking great riffs. Um and it's dead catchy and it's fairly interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Do you think they'll go over well with the Metallica crowd? Um It's a hard one, isn't it? It's a hard one because they're a th- they're playing stadiums. Yeah. Which is I mean, well, I, I will, well, I'll come back in two weeks' time and I'll let you know what yeah. I think because I definitely I, will go see them. But I, I would imagine, you know, I think it's really difficult to, uh, it's really difficult to play a stadium full stop when you're a three-piece, when you're a young three-piece yeah. and you're playing stadiums, uh, you're on an absolute hiding to nothing and you're on fucking for 20 minutes at five in the afternoon. I would also say, I mean, I think some fucking phenomenal bands have uh supported metallica cavell attack um machine head um god you can the, the baroness baroness yeah like mm-hmm. they're almost always swallowed up i think these days metallica have more well obviously they do because they're a fucking massive band they have more casual fans than they have like hardcore yeah. metal fans and i don't see this i don't see Bacassa appealing to casuals no me neither at all no uh, you know but hey i think they're too I, which which is not that and that is not me saying they're bad or anything i don't think they're trying to appeal to casual no. but um i think that's what would you know prevent them from making a massive splash on those days yeah. but we'll have to see I, i'd love to be proved wrong i think they're because i think they're very good well, but, I think anyone trying to have a, make a massive splash support in Metallica, I think even Ghost will probably struggle. I, I agree yeah. with you, actually. Yeah, you I know, think so I think Ghost will right. struggle. So, I'll be yeah. curious, but yeah. Anyway, it is out next week. Crimson Riders by Bocasa, that is. Uh, the next album we're going to talk about actually came out last week. <laughs> we're moving all over the all over time the bloody scale, aren't we? Uh, the Disconnect by Heart of a Coward it is the fourth album by Heart of a Coward, the Milton Keynes metalcore chaps. Um... Renfrey. Hello. Uh, now, I'm going to say this straight away because I have a feeling that I know exactly what it is that you're going to say. Um, I really like Heart of a Coward. Mm-hmm. In this sphere of kind of tech metalcore. Um, tech? Tech metalcore, yeah. I think that's what they are. Okay. What was wrong with that? I think there's a lot of bands who are called tech who really aren't tech <laughs> these days. Well, it means something different to what it actually means <clears throat> now, doesn't it? <clears throat> emo doesn't mean yes, emo. I suppose tech it's... doesn't mean necessarily yeah. tech. It's all about guitar tones, isn't it? Yes, rather than actual technical playing yeah. and ability. And that's that's fine. Um, they have a new singer, Khan Tass- Kane, Kane, I think it's how you say it. Kane Tassan is a new singer who replaced the uh, the iconic jamie graham he certainly was for their fan base i think he was um you know a big deal and a big draw for their fan base like i say i've always been a big fan of heart of a coward i think in that sphere and in that world and the 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 kind of type of music that that a lot of those bands make you can um uh they can you know all kind of blur into one and i think heart of a coward had enough about them and have done over their last few records that they can write riffs and songs that meant they would stand slightly ahead of the chasing pack of also ran bands. I'm also aware. What are those also ran bands of interest? Oh, God. Um, Anyone with big letters on their t shirts. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I, I can't even think of... I, I genuinely... I'm not even just trying to pass the fucking buck at the moment. They are... It's a school of bands from 2013, 2014, 2015 that I cannot even remember one of them they're either so massive now that it would feel like a weird comparison or they've just vanished so i genuinely can't think of one they they're not a million miles away from something like say like bury tomorrow Mm -hmm. i think they sit sort of they sit somewhere in between i remember going to see partway drive and it was that is murder bury tomorrow partway drive and Heart of a Coward kind of sit right in the middle of all of those things, I think. Those yeah. three bands don't necessarily sound exactly like each other, but yet you can see why they all three of them would be touring together. Yeah. Even though they don't sound like each other, there is a Venn diagram yeah. where Heart of a Coward sit in the middle and those other bands exist around it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, okay. So it's got a kind of brutality of um, the art is murder, uh, a kind of hardcore pace of partway drive particularly the earlier partway drive material and a bit of the kind of anthemic metal uh or metal core or modern metal core of bury tomorrow okay yep and you know and that means fuck all if you can't write you know like that having that meld is up you know i'm gonna stop way way short of saying it's interesting i think what it is is you know can you write fucking huge riffs? Can you do things that make people want to bang their head? Can you make chant along choruses um, with catchy enough guitar part, with catchy enough vocal hooks and big sort of throbbing guitar lines and loads of sort of sweaty macho aggression? Mm -hmm. If you can do that, I'm interested. If, if you can do that and make it sound good, I'm interested. Again, I saw this band on the day this record came out. I think Kane is a much... He's a different sort of front man to Jamie. Jamie is very serious. He's not as serious. Uh, he's got a wider range in his voice. He's got, Does he? Wow. Yeah, okay. he's got a, I think he can hit the singy parts better um he can't growl the, the lows aren't as good admittedly yeah. but i think he's got a bit he brings a little bit more of a slightly wider dynamic to the band which i think is cool is this all and, all this stuff you're saying is it on record or live live or both okay. live. Live. and yeah in the live environment and they looked more like they were enjoying themselves and i've seen heart of a coward before. okay yeah i've seen heart of a coward before and i wouldn't say they're yeah, I, they definitely. It wasn't like it was a bit serious. Have, yes, it was very, yeah. very po faced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not that anymore. <clears throat> okay. Um, and they did a massive. Uh, at the end, they had a massive. He said, "Like, we do one more song. Everyone is at the underworld. Everyone get on stage." So the underworld holds around five hundred people. Yeah, four, four, five hundred people. Um, trying to get all those people on stage, and the band played um, the song with the entire audience on the stage. <laughs> Apart from me, I didn't go anywhere near it but i just sort of looked at it. i couldn't see anything i couldn't see the drum kit and then suddenly the guitarist and the bass player kind of walked around behind me and they were up by the so that you know and it was it was actually oh. for the first time no not for the first time because i've seen it before and i've just gone oh yeah you screw your face up riffs um and i've quite enjoyed it but i really really enjoyed it 
on Friday. No. I thought they were really good. And I'm sure you're going to slag it off. So what I will say is <laughs> I don't think this is as good as their last album per se. But I still think for what this is and for where this sits in the world of this type of music, this is an excellent version of this type of music. Renfrey, go on. Um, well, <laughs> I, I think everything that you've described there in terms of what what it is, I guess it's just kind of like there is so much music in the world. Mm. Um, and um, this sort of modern metal core sound just seems to go for it doesn't seem to reach very far it seems to be all that it's kind of aiming to do is write a few riffs which are going to make your head like head bang or or be a massive pit or something like that it's not trying to be interesting or innovative in any say like way or sometimes though? just banging your head again this is the kind of pop thing i think don't you just want to b- just bang your fucking head sometimes yeah but there are but there are bands that i can do that too which do this much better so lamb of god for example uh i mean i don't i wouldn't even mm. you could call lamb of god a metalcore band i don't think they're a modern no, no, metalcore band. Think, yeah no, yeah no, yeah i think they're they're way 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 outside of this but i think i th- yeah yes and they do make me bang my head by the way i feel like lamb of god fulfill that need that you're talking about. i'm not saying there's anything wrong with uh, i'm not saying there's anything wrong with only going for that thing i, I need that a lot though but it doesn't interest it but it yeah. kind of it just doesn't interest me at all um and and this is this is another modern metalcore record of the very similar. I mean, I cannot. I've kind of asked you, like, who are who are those bands who, you know, are really they do exist. There's definitely a lot of bands who are doing this thing and not doing it as well as this. Um, but I think they are so subpar. The fact that you can't even remember who they are, I think, sort of sort of says it all, really. And I think it's just a formula it's just formulaic and there's so this song drown in ruin pretty much sets the tone it's the first song on the album for the musical approach and the vocal style throughout and we were talking about condensed um you were saying how like uh people were complaining that purple by baroness sounded condensed Mm. um i really think if you a b purple and any modern metalcore record but this would be a really good example talking about band's production sounding condensed i mean this is this is pushed down and condensed into as as thin as it possibly can be which is the style and it's the production and it's almost that is usually done to get on radio which is a really kind of weird thing i mean architects have managed it but there's this feeling that i get with modern metal core of compromise mm. all the time it's like why don't we just do all this and if we play these games then maybe we can get onto radio or maybe we can try and do this and it's very unlikely that it's going to work and if there's any genre that i don't want compromising it's metal personally and i want it to sound raw and i want it to sound like you know everything on this record is very clean cut Mm. it's very processed it's very digital it's just that's i mean you know that's the that's a stylistic decision it's a stylistic decision yeah those bands have made yeah and i and i I loathe it i hate it i I can't get over it i don't to be 
really kind of to just be i mean i've just googled metalcore bands because I yeah yeah, think yeah, yeah. like you know i saw august burns red last year right now august burns red are a similar sort of thing i'm not i would never listen to i, I say never I, I would very rare very 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 rarely listen to an august burns red album mm. when i put it on i go it makes me go oh yeah and then i do sort of forget about it Heart of a Coward have got enough songs in, in their catalogue that I think are are good. Do you know what I mean? That are actually I'm like for that thing, you know I don't like modern metalcore. I don't I wouldn't say it's about the amity affliction. I wouldn't mm. say it about um I don't know, of mice and men or um like I don't know, Memphis Mayfire and Blessed Fall and all these sort of bands mm. like they're crap. They are mm. fucking crap. And I think there's just about enough um, of the... I don't know if it's the fact that they are trying to be... I mean, yeah, you know, like I, I thought early on they certainly were a bit more savage than the sort of the typical cookie-cutter bands from that scene. And there are bits on this where, you know, I think like Return to Dust... Um, uh, is that track seven yeah yeah so return to dust is kind of the attempt to do something a little bit dynamic mm. basically the 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 one attempt for a whole song to do something a little bit dynamic mm. and um fair play that they've given it a go it is completely forgettable and not very good and i think it just proves they're not capable of it I think their strength lies in other areas. Yeah. But then I think Return to Dust is sort of interesting because... I don't think it's terrible Return to Dust, to be no, clear, no, no, but no, I think I, it's very meh. But I, it's it's heavier than... When you think of, you know, like, it's almost... What it's going for is, like you say, that's the only point where I go, you're kind of going for radio a little bit. Yeah, I, 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 maybe... But I think it's heavier than that. I do think it's consistently heavier than that. And I think, you know, like, this type of metal is not... You know, we're not talking about Anil Nathrak and we're not talking mm. about Pig Destroy and we're not talking about extreme metal. Mm. And we're also not talking about Lamb of Gods or, you know, Slayer or anything like that. You know, it's not that type of music either. But it's, you know, it, it's here and it exists. And, you know, I, I think there's always, even the worst genres can give you, you know, we, we talked a lot about... Um, how fucking staggeringly bad the mid-noughties indie scene was. But you still had, not that I'm comparing them to Block Party, but you still had Block Party and, um, you know, a few other bands who we've sort of said before. And I think there's always, it's always worth sort of at least giving these bands a go, at least trying mm. to find a good one out of it. And I do think, you know, this type of thing is, is not cool anymore and it's not aged well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the parameters of, when you're in we're we're living in a postcode orange venom prison employed to serve world mm-hmm. now and if you are a metal band um you're not going up you're not really going up against of mice and men and asking alexandria anymore you're going up against power trip mm-hmm. and they're not gonna fuck around and so it's difficult to I think it's very difficult to be one of these bands Heart of a Coward could have fucked off they could have given up their singer left everyone said he's the main guy in the band they could have just binned it off and not bothered I think the fact they've come back with an album which is of a very very similar quality to their last record which I actually thought was a very good record um, 
in this mould at a time when it's not really very popular, I think is is good. I think the first track is great. The first track is juddering grooves, is big guitar riffs. It's got a really memorable midsection, a really memorable chorus. Um, I think Collapse is as well. I think there's, I think there's a four or five songs on here that just make me pull that screwed up metal face. And again, a bit like Dinosaur Pileup. And I know, you know, you, this is a bit different because yes, in a world where Lamb of God and Fear Factory and um, Meshuggah and bands like that exist, it is harder to get a band like Heart of a Cow. It's harder to break into that. I need to bang my head. So, you know, what can I find that's going to make me do it? Mm. But this does make me do it. When it's on, like, again, I know you're not a massive fan of Thy Art is Murder. I love Thy Art is Murder because that reveals itself after one listen. Do you Pound know what it is? me into shit. I think I'm going to make a Mark Kermode reference here. Go so, on. you know, Mark Kermode says of horror films, there's sort of this psychological horror which actually stays with you. And then yeah. there's like cat out of the closet scares where they just where like there's a loud orchestral stab and like something like jumps out from a window or something like that and that one of those is like quite a sophisticated type of horror and the other is a very easy cheap thrill mm-hmm. and i think heart of a coward are the cheap thrills and this modern metalcore scene is the cheap thrill stuff i wouldn't disagree with that at all. and and i will also say that like this music when i'm listening to it 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 like i will find my head going and stuff like that but i like metal if you put me in a room with really distorted guitars and really and like you know i don't know palm muting and riffs and like people there, there's some there's some really cool lead stuff on here which is quite lama god-esque you know yeah. which which i was like oh yeah that's quite cool i to be honest you to get me to just sort of nod my head along to something i don't think i think that is the equivalent of a, a cat out of the closet scare i don't think it's that difficult i think i think fucking anyone could if you no, just not, give anyone a when, metal zone no, no, and, a, no. and a martial stack they yeah. can do it but you know? it's not hard. when you're sat in the cinema and that happens you still go oh god exactly yeah. you still do that thing but that doesn't make it good is my okay. point it doesn't make it good but then you know i like for for one, I think you've you've picked up on their lead. I think the guitar work. I I actually think, you know, the leads are the best thing about this. The leads, um, and I think they the write. Leads. You know, it's it's not that easy to write such memorable riffs. I don't think it is, and I think that I, I think don't the, know. I I don't know if I'd agree with you that these riffs are memorable. I think they're very. They're almost always like hanging hanging on an them. hanging on an open no and then doing with a tail scene i i think you know it is formulaic i mean i just find it really dull i think they're better at writing those types of riffs whether they're formulaic or whether that's just what it is like they are better at writing those riffs than a lot of their contemporaries they just they just are those riffs are better they sound better to my ears they Mm. sound better than a great deal of those bands that i mentioned before they also don't have a singer who <laughs> annoys me like mm-hmm. uh that is often the problem with these bands is the singer outright annoys me i can't comment on this singer because i've not seen him okay jamie graham used to like jamie infuriate graham, me mm. um because 
he is that stereotype of the good in the fucking pit thing and he has no personality whatsoever and the fact that you were saying that like people looked up to this guy i'm just like why what is it about him? He has no personality. He has no kind of, I suppose it's irrelevant for this record, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess this is a thing. I don't, I don't, it's, he's, he's just doing an impression of a metal vocalist. There's nothing, we talk about Jamie Lenman and why he's a brilliant frontman because he gets up there and he does his thing. Mm. That's being an amazing frontman. It's not getting up there and being like, get in the fucking pit, blah, 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 you know, like, there are metal front men who do that. And I like, like Rob Flynn does that and all that kind of thing, but he brings part of his personality to it. Rob Flynn feels like Rob Flynn when he does that. Dare I say it, Phil Anselmo feels like Phil Anselmo when he does that. You know? Oh yeah, Phil Anselmo is definitely Phil Anselmo. Jamie Graham could be anyone, could have been anyone. Could have been Phil Anselmo. Well, yeah. Phil Anselmo's yeah. the guy. Phil Anselmo, like, you know, I'm I'm glad you picked up on Phil Anselmo. I know you kind of, you've tiptoed around it, but the fact is, no matter, like, you know, no matter how much fucking white wine he drinks, he is still the blueprint for all of these people. Yeah, 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 he exactly. Is still, he, is still, he is still the person who created the blueprint for all of these modern metal front men. Yeah. Um, and, and tellingly, the best ones from this scene are the ones who don't act like him exactly randy blythe that's exactly my point uh yeah yeah of course yeah mate i i it's it's the same thing as uh people imitating eddie vedder yeah uh yeah. you know it's yeah, exactly it's, the same thing and i would say i actually think kane is he's not like and he's not an anselmo clone at all that's cool. and i saw his old um his old band no consequence, no consequence. he's um, still in no consequence apparently oh okay right yeah. and you know i thought they were sort of again you know like I, Heart of a Coward have just got some. They've got just got. I, it, it's a, what, sometimes there's something you can't quite put your finger on why it's better. Yeah, you can't quite put your finger on what makes it better. But I just, you know, I remember hearing Hope and Hindrance, the first record when it came out, mm-hmm. and I'd heard a lot of this stuff. And this was, you know, it was kind of the 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 metalcore renaissance mm-hmm. of the sort of early tens, I guess yeah. you call it. When, Difficult times. When Parkway yeah. got big and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sleeps came out yeah. and all that kind of stuff happened and, you know, and Buried Tomorrow and all the, all the bands we mentioned before. When all that stuff was happening and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I got, a, I was like, oh, okay, so Metalcore's coming back and th- this could be a good thing. There's some good, ba- and, and those bands I just mentioned, I think for the most part are actually, you know, they're good bands. Um, people know my thoughts on Parkway Drive. We were very positive about While She Sleeps. I think it's obviously this is a different thing, but I do remember hearing Heart of a Coward and going, there's something just innately satisfying about their riffs and this kind of elastic, juddery riff that they write, which is um, kind of metalcore in one point, but still, you know, it's they're not sugar. It's not yeah. super duper technical in yeah. any way, but it's got that kind of elastic, like groovy bounce to it. Yeah, and like you, you know, like I say, um, there are four or five Carver Carrot songs that I still will put on and be like, oh yeah, I'll screw mm-hmm. my face up and and um, and be like and, and nod my head, head along to. And this has got a bunch of them in it. Mm-hmm. This has got you know, this has got a bunch of songs. That when I, I was, I think maybe maybe because when Jamie left, I thought, well, that's it. This type of music's done. They're done. They're finished. It's over. Like it's over for them. And I kind of, I got sent. I actually got sent this album to review for for Metal Hammer, and I probably wouldn't have suggested that we review it mm. had I not have been so surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Okay. Not necessarily saying it's changed metalcore. Like this is the future of like, you know. I was just 
surprise. And I think sometimes, regardless of genre, mm-hmm. um, and regardless of how you feel about what a band does, I think sometimes you have to applaud a band for digging in and going, no, we're n- I know it's like, I know it's not cool. I know it's not what um, is the, you know, the, the zeitgeist right now. I know people, it feels like people have gone, oh, their singers left and written them off. But we do believe in this type of music. We do believe in what we do. And we're not fucking going anywhere. And to do that whilst releasing, I would say, an album that is, you know, again, to stand shoulder to shoulder with the previous records that they've released, I actually think they deserve a pat on the back and I think they deserve a, a tip of the hat and they deserve credit for doing that. And it's not often that, you know, when that was happening... We all saw, we all saw Exodus doing... When Thrash Metal wasn't cool and grunge came along... Testament and Exodus doing ballads and, and yeah. trying to go grungy. Well, Heart of a Coward haven't done this. Heart of a Coward haven't tried to, you know, sound like Employed to Serve or haven't tried to sound like Code Orange or anything. You know, everyone's jumping on the Code Orange bandwagon. They haven't. I think that's a fair point. But then at the same time, if you didn't like it, you'd be saying the exact opposite. You'd be like, just fucking go away. That's my feeling. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so you maybe. know, I don't yeah, like it. And point. I'm just saying, just fucking go but away. I think that's the point as well, is that I, if it had, you know, if it had come through and it was crap, and I thought, oh, this is rubbish, then I would then have you gone, be saying fucking go away. Yeah, yeah, but, but I don't, don't think it is yeah, crap. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, you know, and I, I think, uh, I guess I have slightly more of a, um, of a, of a stomach for this stuff than you. I actually think, I actually don't think it's crap. I think my issue with it is I think it's completely average. I think that's my issue with it. Right. I think it's completely five out of ten. I think it's just totally context average. Everything. I well, feel like context plays a lot of part in these bands. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I think you. you, you I'm not always, as invested in Heart of no, Coward as yeah, you are, and, and, and all that kind your, of thing. Uh, you know, and it's absolutely your priority and your prerogative to do this. But you are. Uh, we've spoken about these bands before, and you are ironclad in your refusal to budge for the fact that this is what this type of music is at all. I was I mean? pretty positive about the While She Sleeps album. Mm, and that is a very, I mean, but that's a different, that's a different album, isn't it? I mean, that doesn't sound like this. That's, that's because it's different. That's why I was positive yeah, about okay, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is a formula which is being treaded out again and again and again. And, and I was bored I of like it gonna, 10 years ago yeah. and I'm bored like, of it now. <laughs> I feel like we're going to get this when we do the artist murder as well. Yep. okay well anyway listen if you like that sort of thing if you like that sort of thing you'll like it yeah but you know if you like that sort of thing i'd also point you in the direction of lamb of god and you know other bands i'm sure people have heard of lamb of god (laughs) anyway um that is heart of a coward's album which is called the disconnect and it is out right now right could be much more different from what we're going to end with um you brought this in renfrey hello Jambinai? Jambinai? Jambinai. Jambinai. Onda is the name of the record. Um, Jambinai are an avant-garde rock band from South Korea. They formed in 2009. It's their third album. Um, Their first album won the award for best crossover album at the 2013 Korean Music Awards. Quite what they crossed over to, I'm not sure. It's got them down here as world Pop. I know. I saw now, that. Renfrey. <laughs> so not the case. I have listened to some pop, <laughs> and I am from the world, <laughs> yeah. but I have never heard anything like this shit before. Yeah. This is fucking mental. How would you describe it? 
I've absolutely... I, I can't. Okay, well, I would say that they are a post-metal quartet who combine... metal Yeah, I reckon so. Who combine mm. the um, sort of darkness and utter sort of sometimes frailty, but also kind of menace and uh, sheer angst, maybe, of a cult of Luna with traditional folk instrumentation yeah cello uh violin it's violin well, and kind of weird boingy boingy like whatever that is and careful, you're getting and, you're starting to get a little bit uh, i don't know what that instrument's called but it kind of goes <laughs> doing, doing, doing. um uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bouncy castle it's <laughs> I was going to say you're starting to get a bit Jim Davis, but, but um, Jim Davidson. Jim Davidson, sorry. Jim Davis. Yeah, Jim Have Davis. some respect for my spirit animal. Um, no, it's the instruments are it's a, a bamboo oboe, okay, uh, a bowed fiddle, mm. and a zither, which came up last yeah, week for uh, one tanker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and. Uh, yeah, something I really love about Jambonai, I love lots of things about Jambonai, but something I really love about them is they could play Glastonbury and I think they'd be very comfortable there. I mm-hmm. think there'd be a lot of people drinking Pims or whatever they drink at Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is. Renfrey's uh, never been to Glastonbury, by the way. <laughs> I've been to Glastonbury once. Yeah, I yeah. broke in once. Yeah. Um, you sure it wasn't Wimbledon? It was Tim Edmund there. Can't have got to Glastonbury and Tim Edmund's headlining um i think they could i think there'd be people who would kind of look at it and go oh it's a cultural interest of cultural interest because yes. it's all different but i think they could work at bloodstock as well uh yeah I, yeah they probably could they are heavy i mean i didn't really think of it as being metal and how many bands could work at glastonbury and bloodstock uh gojira oh we don't know we don't know yet okay. we don't know napalm death right okay um, well, yeah, but come on. on, there aren't, there aren't, there aren't low. I don't think. Okay, how many could work at Glastonbury and Bloodstock as well? I think they would get as good a reaction at both festivals for totally different reasons. Yeah, no, that's fair. I was being a prick, but yeah, um, but that's fine. Um, yes, you were. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I, I think this is. Um, well, it's mad. It's mad as fuck. It's certainly going to be an acquired taste. I, th- I mean, Do you I think, think so? right down. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, so. I think Event Horizon is almost like black metal at the start. Mm-hmm. The kind of power, the, the, the driving kind of. Yeah, so that's the only time I wrote down metal. Right. And it's okay. certainly a. Uh, a be- not bewildering is the wrong word because it sounds like I don't really know what's going on. But, well, no, I'm, I'm not sure that I do know exactly what's going on because I find it quite hard to explain what it is it's it's a hugely dynamic record yeah that's that's the word it's very very dynamic and it's very eclectic yeah and it's full of sounds that i haven't heard um or sounds that i don't hear very much mixed with sounds that i've never heard before and i've certainly never heard them mixed in a similar way as each other yeah uh it almost felt like sometimes i was playing two albums like death heaven and the music that they play in sort of 
it was a Chinese restaurant. Um, yeah, sure, sure, <laughs> like sure. At the same time, probably a Korean restaurant. Probably a likely. Korean. I don't. I've never been to a Korean restaurant. Okay. And I'm so <laughs> shit at knowing the difference between those two types of music. Um, but it is got that kind of, you know, that kind of um, uh, mystic Eastern mm-hmm. twang to it, and not in a sort of led zeppelin way or you know beatles way it's much it feels much more, well it's authentic yeah I mean, no, 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 nothing against zeppelin or beatles but it's authentic because they're actually from south korea yeah <laughs> um it's very good this mm. it is it, well the first time i heard it i was like no I oh really yeah i was like i don't think so um but i think you know square wave is exceptional mm-hmm. and, and again the composition's odd just rhythmically really strange it almost starts like it's catchy and then it's got this kind of violin oh, it's got it a beautiful vocal that and... record that song as well second wave that beautiful female vocal yeah. the vocals on this are really they're all over the place because sometimes it's really beautiful and not twee but definitely beautiful and really like very emotionally stirring and then sometimes it just sounds like almost like that ghost bath approach of someone just screaming i mean i actually think i don't know if this is going to be particularly controversial in your head but i didn't need the vocals at all um i I could have it's weird when we were talking about pelican the other week and i was like oh i'd like some i always think i'd like some vocals on this um, with the probably with the exception of Square Wave, which I think you're right, it's got a really nice vocal part in it, a really nice harmony, and that did sound good. For the most part, I I didn't feel like I needed the vocals, and not didn't need them, but I actually felt like they were slightly intrusive. Oh, maybe not, really? Maybe okay. Not intru- but I, I felt it, that it was an over-egging of the pudding because the pudding's already very sweet. It, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sweetness in this pudding. Um, I think, um, I think they push the emotionalness, this, the emotional weight a little bit more. Um, I would say that every vocal on this record, obviously we do not, we have no idea what they are singing because they are singing in their native language. Yep. Um, but you can tell that whatever it is, they fucking mean it you know it's we've sort of talked about this without the drive-in in a way like cedric yeah. his lyrics really are seem like nonsense yeah. yeah but you know he fucking means it mm. when he's you know whatever is in his There's head something about that part of the world i think when you watch you know cinema from because the old boys is korean isn't it yeah and yeah. there is i mean the the, the acting and the, the, the sort of the lengths that these people go to from that part of the world for their art i do think there's a there seems to be a much, um, a, they're much more committed to the idea of just really going, laying themselves bare completely. That seems to be something which uh, is true of any art form that, yeah. that that part of the world creates. I would I agree with that. Always very, very intense. Very much so. I, I would, I would agree with that and take it even further and say that they always go to extremes. Yes. And when we talk about extremes in music, it's often meant, you know, like extreme metal or something like that. And I do mean that to a degree with this as well. But I also, I mean, I really want to stress the dynamics on this record. Sometimes it is like you can, you can hear a pin drop. Mm. and sometimes it's an absolute cacophony mm. um i saw this band last week at the garage oh did you and they were fucking amazing live oh. they were so good it was so powerful um it was uh, annoyingly like maybe only a, like two-thirds full 
Um, but uh, but they, I mean, those dynamics, I think those dynamics have been captured really well on this record. Um, mm-hmm. It's very difficult to capture that on, a, on an album. But live, obviously, it's an even, it's a totally different thing. And during the quiet bit, it's like no one stirred. It was completely people were totally and utterly mesmerized um but they're the kind of band that could actually come back and play barbican quite comfortably Mm. as well um in fact they are coming back in october i believe they're playing royal festival hall and that's going to make as much sense um if not more actually really okay i'm gonna go to that yeah you should they're, they're, no, they're, the main room where Night's Nails are now. I don't think, think it's the main room. They can't sell out the garage. No, I don't do think that. it's the main room, but they, they're playing like the Purcell rooms or something okay. like that. It's a much That's smaller where Alcest room. Alcest and Vexred and those bands yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, so, because like, the, they're actually, they're quite, they're probably a bigger band than you may think, but it's obviously bigger like at home. Yes. I think like yeah, they yeah. have like 20,000 likes on Facebook or something like that, which is more than, than one would assume, I, mm. I imagine. Um, but, um, yeah, I just I think I think it's I, I do view this as post rock or post metal or whatever you want to call it because it is it, it it definitely fits all of those you know there aren't traditional song structures it's the dynamics are very post rock and post metal and it's um, it doesn't fit to a traditional song structure in any way shape or form um, but you know some people complain and and probably rightly that some bands are sort of interchangeable from one another, which is often due to there being no vocals. I don't think you can say that a jam, but I, they definitely sound like their own thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I've never heard anything like this before. Yeah. And it's um, very, like it's, I, well, it reminded me and they don't sound like this, but I remember the first time I heard corn mm-hmm. and the first time I heard the Dillinger escape plan, I went, what the fuck, what is this? Yeah. You get to nearly 40 and, you know, with 60 odd years of rock and roll culture behind you and you think, well, I've I've heard everything now. So it's cool when you get something and you go, oh, yeah. well, I haven't heard this. That's amazing. I mean, that's fun. Like that, to me, that's like a massive recommendation. Yeah. Like, I really do think, I mean, like I say, this is an acquired taste. I think it's mm. going to be, uh, too much for a lot of people. Yeah, I think it's gonna be very difficult because it's not just like it's kind of traditional Korean folk music. It's traditional Korean folk music played over sort of twelve minutes with black metal parts and weird instrumentation and a searing, seething intensity. Uh, but that's that's fucking cool. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's a it's a very very. I still don't know how much I really love it. I like it. I definitely, I, I, I respect the shit out of it because like I say, it's completely unique and completely fresh to my ears. And I think I'm still trying to get my head around it, but it's definitely worth people hearing. If you're, if you're just interested in the idea of hearing something completely unique, mm-hmm. I think this is as close this is probably the most unusual sounding thing that we've ever done on this show. Yeah. It's, it's at times it's beautiful. At times it's terrifying. Um, and it's very much, yeah, oh God, I'm going to sound like such a wanker now, but it's definitely, uh, you know, it, music is a universal language. And I think a band like Jamb and I prove that in that whilst we don't know what they're singing about and stuff, I still really feel a very emotionally connected to it. Mm. I have no idea what this record is about, but I'm very emotionally connected to it. You um, sound like a wanker, sound like a wanker. <laughs> 
<laughs> I do. Um, but, okay. you know. So uh, the album is called Onda, and the band are called Jambinai, which I will spell for you. J-A-M-B-I-N-A-I. Jambinai. Yeah. And in October, they're playing a UK tour. They are playing all over the place. And I would, I've always, I've liked Jambinai for a couple of years, but I would recommend seeing them live because I've gone from, in the last week, literally, liking Jambinai to fucking loving them. So, Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's it. That's uh, that's all that we wrote. Um, so next week, I'll be back. Renfrey, you're off to see Nick Cave. You're and off to Metallica. see Metallica, the Dead um, Kennedys. Tall. Tall. Wow, I'm seeing Tall in the Rain. So <laughs> I don't want to watch Tall in the Dry. Do I? I'm watching in the Rain. Um, and speaking of Tall in the Rain, um, we'll be chatting about that next week. So Matt will be with us next week. Matt Stocks. Um, we'll be talking about Download. I'll be reviewing that. We will be um, doing On the Turn by Curb Dog. I'll be giving Matt that in trade-off. He's given me X-Ray Specs Gumtree Adolescence. Uh, gum-free, sorry, not gum-tree. Uh, germ-free, <laughs> not even gum-free. Germ-free, gum-tree. Because I was looking gum at the text. Is like, it gum? It can't be gum-tree. Gum-free, germ-free, and a fucking hell. Germ-free adolescence by X-Ray Specs. <laughs> and I'm giving him on the turn. And then the week after, we're coming back and there's all kinds of mad shit going on there the week after that. I think we're going to be reviewing all the stuff that we've just been talking, you've just said that you've been to see. You'll be talking yes. about all that. And... Um, we'll have Bruce Springsteen, Springsteen the raconteurs oh, loads uh, of stuff. Black Keys Black Keys hopefully, hopefully. Um, loads of stuff so yeah it's, uh, it's, all, it's all happening yeah there'll be a shit bang tongue of stuff before and you hopefully go to at that point we'll be able to uh, reveal some interesting shit that we've been working on yes. as well uh, before we go Renfrey I want to say musicism.net go over there 25% of your courses put in right in the checkout before we go Renfrey we've done a big week of albums this week what's the best album Album of the week, if you had to pick one. Well, it's obviously between Baroness and the St. Pierre Snake Invasion. Well, you've got to pick one, haven't you, you idiot? Okay, I'll go St. Pierre. St. Pierre? You're going to annoy me. Dinosaur pile-up for me. Off. Fucking pop. Pop-tastic, <laughs> mate. It's like Tony Blackburn and John Peel in the same room together. Happy days. <laughs> I'll take it. John Peel. <laughs> well, yeah, you are. <laughs> Uh, see you later.